went online to switch your car insurance to Progressive so you could save money. But then you saw a friend request from an old summer camp buddy. And now here you are, clicking through photos of his kickball team from 2011. Hmm, looks like they won the championship that year. Then he moved to Tulsa. Oh, a new tattoo. Yes, they said it was easy to save hundreds on car insurance with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average savings by new customer surveyed who saved in 2019. Welcome to DC On Screen, a podcast about the DC Universe properties being produced for film and television. From next year's Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad to television fare like Arrow and Flash and Gotham. Be warned, this is a spoiler-filled show. If it's been released, it's fair game. I'm your host, David C. Robertson, and this is my co-host, Jason. Hello. All right, first we're going to get into this past week's news, and they're going to dive right into the Man of Steel review. We don't have a lot of news this week, so that's pretty exciting. I mean, I'm surprised there's not more Suicide Squad footage, is there? I I haven't kept up. <laughs> it, I just stopped, I don't believe so. I stopped paying any attention. I was learning too much about the movie. I actually want to be able to look forward to it. So I, I've gone dark for my for my own self. Right, yeah. Let's start off with television and Arrow. During a Q&A on Twitter, uh, Stephen Amell was asked to describe the season four premiere in three words. And his response was, what's wrong, Speedy? Which may actually go a long way in explaining why Ollie might be coming out of retirement. So do you remember... I believe it was last week where I mentioned that my one of my great fears is that she's going to slowly devolve over the course of one season. And uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the most annoying part of that is that she she hasn't she has she's not a tangible enough character for me to care. Uh, not yet, anyway. And making her crazy isn't going to make me care more. Plus, we've already done this with Roy, so yeah, I I got nothing. I'm sorry. I got nothing. Well, hopefully uh, this is going to be more of a hive is overtaking the city and we need your help more than a I'm going crazy because of the Lazarus Pit situation. Mm. On, to, uh, on to some news that that you actually inquired about just a few days ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Comic-Con International San Diego is going to have a first look at the Supergirl pilot mm-hmm. as well as the upcoming digital animated series Vixen. Yeah. Along with Q&As for the casts of Arrow, The Flash, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. That happens Saturday, July 11th. So I think we can probably expect to start getting real Vixen news pretty soon. That'd be good. I have a couple of things I really want out of it. Um, what do you want? Well, really. You want Guana Beast, really don't just, you? I want Guana Beast. You, I do. That's all. You want Guana really Beast, don't you, you bastard? I, bring me bring me Guana Beast. <laughs> I know what you want. He's so terrible, and he's so much fun. It's <laughs> it's just it's pure anarchy. I mean, if you go back through the Animal Man, the Grant Morrison Animal Animal Man run, right? He he's legit. He he really is. Which I mean, it's it's Grant Morrison. By the time he's done, Vixen, Wanna Beast, and Animal Man all are legit. You know, um, in in my perfect world, we can just clone Grant Morrison and put him in all of the uh, all the properties that we loved growing up, so yes, that he could with validate those all things. of the drugs he needs to keep us as happy as we are. I want Grant Morrison writing Power Rangers. <laughs> That's what I want. I want him writing the back of cereal boxes. I want him to write fucking everything I read throughout the day. I, I don't know. I think There's I'd last be a week really, before I evolved into complete insanity. There will be some I'd really messed a, up a speedy. children. <laughs> um, <laughs> over to Gotham. I want to try. 
I want to be able to get tap out though. That's a world <laughs> I want to try for like two days. Nothing. You be able to nothing tap out. pinned. Oh well, yeah. Well, you see the thing about Captain Crunch. So every version of Captain Crunch, every version of Captain Crunch is valid. So the back of the of the Captain Crunch box, you see, is speaking of the peanut butter Captain Crunch and the Crunch Berries. And I'm bringing back the soggies. I'm bringing every, back the soggies. Every, like every week you go buy a new box, and it's just it's a continuing dialogue about the, the pros and cons of which captain you, you choose to kill by eating it, and what to do with the ones you left behind, <laughs> and survivor's guilt. Multi-crunchity. Right. <laughs> the multi-crunchity theory. Over to Gotham. It looks Over to like anything. we're going... Over to anything. <laughs> It looks Save like us, on Dave. Gotham. Save us with more news. It looks like we're going to be getting uh, <laughs> amygdala proper. Hmm. For those not aware, uh, we've already seen Aaron Helsinger, the man who will become amygdala, who's who's basically a, a very dark version of the Hulk. He's he's the Hulk gone incredibly wrong. Uh, but they're looking for a new actor to play him. This is the guy that was basically him? yeah. This is basically the guy that was lobotomized for all intents and purposes by the execution mm-hmm. uh saw so the the electrocutioner mm-hmm. made into a uh willing pawn of the electrocutioner right. season one they are they're at they're they want a new guy to play him apparently and they're looking well, I mean, they for kinda, a male they did in his, ruin that guy yeah but they're looking for a male in his 30s described as quote a hulking mountain of a man with a bald or shaven head the bigger and more muscular the better so, if any of you are hulking mountain of men, <laughs> and don't already wanna, have something you're up to, and you want to go ruin a franchise I love, been cast as hulking leading male somewhere, please apply. We're going to end up with like, you know, they just want Vin Diesel or Jason Statham or something, but they can't actually say we would like you to look like mm-hmm. Jason Statham when he was in shape. Well, Jason Statham's still in shape, man, or in his prime, I, mean, I suppose. It's looking like he's going to play Bullseye before we're done with it, so. Ooh, anyway, that would be good. yeah, season two, Daredevil, buddy. But this is the DC on-screen podcast, not the Marvel on-screen podcast. So, mm. over to some weird and funny Constantine news. <laughs> We're talking about the MCU cast, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, which can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. Okay, <laughs> weird and funny Constantine news. Apparently, apparently, William Shatner, <laughs> bless his soul, at some point made it known. That if someone picked up Constantine, he would film a guest spot on the series. Daniel oh, Cerrone. Daniel I, Cerrone. Every the, day. Every day I find a new way to love <laughs> William Shatner. Every single freaking day. Daniel Cerrone, the Constantine executive producer, posted a screen cap of a direct message that William Shatner sent him on Twitter that said, I'm sorry, we tried. Frowny face. <laughs> wow. In the post, Cerrone calls Shatner... One of the good ones. <laughs> so did he fail? Is that officially a we tried and we failed? Cause yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to live in a world where Shatner doesn't have enough clout to get his shows back on the air. I mean, how long did Boston hey, legal you know, go? Shatner did what, what any of us would have done were we in his position of being freaking Captain Kirk. <sighs> yeah. Oh, now this does entirely invalidate the, the theme we had uh, last week where we just assumed that no one had ever seen Constant. Like, it was me and about 14 other people that actually watched that show. <laughs> and one of them was William Shatner, apparently. And apparently, number 13 was William Shatner. So, what up, Bill? Me and you are on the same page, buddy. All right, now, we're, we're going to pop over to some to one bit of movie news. Mm. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, 
has confirmed in an interview that his Lex Luthor isn't, quote, a silly, villainous character. <laughs> he also heaps so far, tons, so of, tons of tons of praise on the screenwriter, Chris Terrio, who he claims loves the character as much as he does. So apparently the, the screenwriter, as, as we surmised, was not David S. Goyer for this. Can't be more pleased with that. Yeah, and Eisenberg half says and that, half blind hope. Right. Eisenberg, really though, more eighty is, twenty blind hope. When I say he's heaping praise on this guy, Chris Terrio, I mean he's really piling it on. Like he's saying he loves anything this dude writes. I don't know what that's Eisenberg's a blank check, man. I mean, pedigree is here as far as that's concerned. I've liked a few of his films, so he makes good choices about what he's in. That, he does. That has to count for something. I would agree with. I'm you. not sure, but. I mean, now, and we talked about this, though. We basically just want him to do Zuckerberg, right? Mm-hmm. We just want him to, to take exactly that guy. Well, I want him, him to do Zuckerberg as we didn't see him. Zuckerberg as what happens after. Like, where that where the social network was ending, and we see he's just sitting there staring, like, refreshing his little page to see if his ex-girlfriend has friended him on Facebook yet or accepted his friend request. Right, right. I want to see what happens next where that movie was trailing off into not this cat who's in real life you know happy and running around making facebook public and whatnot i want to see yeah. no, no, no. No. dark the way he portrayed him, that detached genius kind of look I, that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's a sociopath the, the way he is in that yeah. movie he's a sociopath plain and yeah. simple so um Let's do that. We're going to end the news now with one note from myself and Jason here. A couple of news bits did drop about Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad. They were heavy spoilers. And here's the thing. I don't want to read, me personally, I didn't read them. I don't want to read any spoiler bits about movies that have, have not been released yet. If right. it was released no, I was by an executive, when you told me that existed. Right. I, I, I like I said, I, I knew Jason didn't want to know. Nope. Uh, there, these things are popping around. We're not talking about them here, as far as any details. I know I said that we are a spoiler-filled show. Those are things that have been released. So if you if you want to check them out, they're on the Facebook page. They're floating around. I'm not even sure I'm going to be posting them on the Facebook page anymore because not knowing key plot elements are is kind of one of the things that i really enjoy in my life and i kind of need that so right (laughs) you guys can go cry somewhere and and read them these things are out it's out there if 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 you're an autonomous adult and feel like going to ruin this for yourself you feel free leap froggy leap but i will not be leaping with you it's just we we wait for years (laughs) for about two and a half hours worth of movie i would like to actually just sit down and watch it with the wonderment of a child that's the point yeah and then we can destroy them and deconstruct them here on to man of steel as we were as we were about to do (laughs) a a perfect segue if i've ever heard right now this is what two years in a week it's been two years in a week since man of steel was released a little bit of change not quite a week i don't think and what the people here are what what you beloved listener are about to experience may be the final chapter of a two-year debate between myself and jason in fact i'm not even sure that we're going to do a podcast next week i'm not sure i don't know how deep this is going to go (laughs) y'all jason 
Jason watched Man of Steel earlier this week and informed me. I, I have I've seen Man of Steel. I've rewatched Man of Steel, and I am ready to defend this movie. I am prepared to defend this film. Yes, I rewatched Man of Steel. He says with <laughs> a, I, a dark timbre to his voice. No, I, I want you to keep in mind. I have a wall of of DVDs, and man, if a comic book movie comes out, I I usually go out and purchase it, but. Man of Steel is one of those that I I have always just seen it and thought there will come a day, but that day is not today. That's that's fifteen dollars I'm not willing to drop right now. I'm not, I'm talking about the bare bones DVD edition. So well, in preparation point, for this podcast, at some point it'll be this is five dollars in a little bin somewhere, and you'll finally go <laughs> okay for five bucks. You've got me. And that day has arrived. That day did arrive. I mm-hmm. I, I, I I did throw down for the for the. For the movie. Mm. So this is the first time and I've seen the movie probably three times. This was either my third or fourth time. In two years, my arguments have waned. My arguments have deteriorated because I just simply couldn't remember the, the passage of time pulled away crucial details. And now it's all right back to where I, I started and then some. So I, I have seen Man of Steel, and I am pre- prepared to destroy it, possibly. <laughs> One of us may not be coming out of here alive. <laughs> I, would, I you mean, like, would you like to start us off, Jason? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Any, uh, we're, I, should we just start with the most, the most controversial scene in the film? Sure, sure. Tornado and Kent. Right, you know, I I thought it was at one point. Well, that's the one man you argued over, just tooth and nail. I mean, mm-hmm. tornado oh, picks up pocket. Before we really jump in, really quickly, we've got some listener feedback. I have placed little tidbits, uh, news bits on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube now. DC on screen. Artuda Edub, I assume that's not his real name, was listening to one of our uh, our little Batman versus Superman trailer review, and we did we got into the color grading on man of steel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he wants to know what we thought of edge of tomorrow and the age of ultron color grading i can't speak to edge of tomorrow in any in any way i I got nothing never seen it of course ultron Mm -hmm. i mean it has colors the damnedest (laughs) thing just the damnedest thing i mean not like oh yeah and to be sure when i when i viewed it this uh this week it has slightly more color than i remember but it is not even close so if you take out the grading that that blue is is um i mean it, it's it's uh, the red isn't even red it's it's maybe it's maybe maroon it's i don't know ultron though i mean short of it being a lot of gray but you were in a lot of cities and a fair amount of well fair amount of gray the entire time but it come on everything pops off the screen it looks like colors and you've got an entire team of a green guy a mostly red guy a kind of red guy and gold guy and guy who drinks mostly in blue a couple of blacks i can see all of those colors just fine mm-hmm. no i mean as I, I did respond uh on the youtube page i was correct that you had not seen edge of tomorrow mm-hmm. but i i did and i saw it pretty I, I found it pretty bland uh the color grading was was i mean it was sepia man again but it it did it fit that movie which again i would argue was bland we're talking about post-apocalyptic war with alien crap okay cool but yeah that's that's what it looked like age of ultron had hints of the same kind of color grading as man of steel but only in certain scenes only when it was when it made sense so i mean i I thought age of ultron did a really pretty good job of the with the color grading i didn't really i didn't have any problem with it it didn't stick out to me as a as a problem like it did with man of steel 
And since we have yeah, every, everything, so ardently, everything looked like it was supposed to. It, it didn't. It didn't take it away. Like when you when you color grade something like that, the idea isn't to change the film that you you went out there and recorded. It's to mm-hmm. it's to give you a little bit of an extra extra set dressing. That's it. It, it you're you're putting it through post to kind of up the pallor of someone or, or make someone's costume look a, look a little more sheen. It, have a little more sheen mm-hmm. to it because you've you've lowered the, some of the highlights and and it, okay, fine. It, you're it's there to do little touches it's not supposed to be seen if Mm. i'm watching a movie and think oh dear god where have all the colors gone you've gone too far with it and that's it's still i mean it man it still isn't quite as bad as my memory would have served me but it it was it wasn't you it's noticeable it's noticeable and that's where it's gone too far and i don't want to and we're not in any way rigid about how how we feel about post-production it's this isn't some strange witch hunt we're on it's just that it's a trend right now (laughs) and people are overusing it yeah. And we it keep is. noticing. And the reason we keep noticing is because you take films that we knew we were going to love, like Man of Still, and you make it a noticeable flaw. That mm-hmm. scarred me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I I can't say it any better. I mean, really, it's, it's just something that, that people, they're, they're doing it too much. I, I don't I, I want colors in my in my films, unless we're doing like a Citizen Kane situation. But yeah, but even that one. Bring in the colors. There has to be... <laughs> I would have been fine with a with an extremely colorful version. I, there's a way to shoot a, a film where you make perfect use of it, and it, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's great. I'm sure that's possible. It's yeah. just that no one's doing it that way. Yeah. Or let me rephrase that. I'm going to watch a superhero film. I, I don't need that. I just don't. It's it's a it's a film about gods. I, I'm good here. Just show me them. Show me all of them. Right. And show me the costumes. Do all of it. That's why I'm going. <sighs> okay. I'm done. And that is the last I'll speak about color. Yeah, we have, we we, have droned we, on about we, color. We covered color, ex- the color grading of Man of Steel, extensively in episode one. If you want to go check that out, go check that out. We just thought it was a little, little dull, little subdued, and a number of jokes were 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 were, were made. Anyway, I, I think I'm going to start us off. Not with the tornado scene, actually, because that is... The, you want to hold off on that? that is, yeah, I think I do for a minute. Because I've realized something I, th- I think that's very important to realize. And I, I don't want anyone to get me wrong. I want Jason to defend this movie because I want to like it. I really want to like this movie. Mm-hmm. But it occurs to me upon this watching where I had the powers of pause forward and rewind at my command that you know the uh, last week you said you uh you said that the guy who played uh Rachel Ghoul in season three of Arrow was your favorite Rache right mm-hmm. are you forgetting Russell Crowe I don't care they can call him Jarrell in this movie he was Rachel Ghoul well if you dress him that way sure now actually let's put it this way I don't know if you noticed I don't know if you noticed but like his his house of L symbol look closely mm-hmm. there's a bat in there <laughs> It looks like the Batman I symbol coming it. out there. And I will go look closely, and I'll probably get are They are totally, <laughs> totally amping up the, the super, Superman v. Batman. <laughs> like, if you look at it, the, it looks like there are a couple of bat ears coming out of the top of it. There are, like, little wings on the sides. But, yeah, no, uh, that oh, is that's neither here nor there. Um, no, I'll go, I'll go look <laughs> at that, and I will. I'll probably just, I'll probably giggle and be very happy. I mean, there was no secret that you were going to include some sort of bat at some point if you continue these movies, so what's yeah, the harm yeah. in throwing in a couple of subliminal symbols? Now, Jor-El, 
I mean, if you look at Ra's al Ghul, this is a guy that wants to, uh, he believes that mankind has destroyed the Earth. He wants mm-hmm. to restart the Earth with his own little population. Mm-hmm. Jor-El, in this movie, wants to place, I mean, he doesn't even have a plan, by the way. He's worse than Ra's al Ghul. This is a man who wants to place the Codex inside of his son and send him to some planet because we know he doesn't know which planet. We know he doesn't know which planet because after he steals the Codex, he comes back to Laura and says, have we found a world? And she says, we have. Well, he was confident so, in her abilities to to find a, an atmosphere. Yeah, how was how was Kal El or Superman going to restore their people? He didn't know which world he was sending him to. He didn't know if it was a world that had a a colony ship on it. Jor El's plan, and it makes no, it makes very little sense because he, can, he tells the I council for his plan. Okay, I, I think I can make his plan make sense. You want me to give it a shot here? Give it a shot, buddy. The most important line in it is. She asks, uh, they'll try to kill him, I think it was, and he simply says, how? Um, right. That is a key part. He knows he's sending him to a, to a yellow sun. He knows what the atmosphere will do. He knows he's going to send him there, and he's going to be basically invulnerable. Mm-hmm. So he's got a durability built into his little mad scheme here, that no matter what he does, if he gets it in the vicinity of that, that sun, the kid will be fine. So you can take that off the table. Yeah. Don't have to worry about the, the welfare part. And then all you have to worry about is, well... <laughs> You know, and he, he brings up even a little image of the cross-section of a brain and, and points that they seem to be relatively intelligent people. Well, yeah, I mean, at that point, you're taking a bet that maybe they can do some sort of cloning. It would end up being a bad bet because the, the one instance I know of, well, my favorite at least, instant of cloning Superman turns into Bizarro, mm-hmm. whom I would love to see cast in these films, by the way. No, I, I think the plan works. You, you shoot off this super baby. You know he's going to be okay. And then you're just kind of hoping that someone can figure out how to extract his DNA well enough to clone him. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. The entire code for for how to print Kryptonian plumbers, Kryptonian councilmen, Kryptonian mm-hmm. doctors, all of it is in there, ready to go. You need, mm-hmm. you know, one hair. Now, the biggest problem would be, once you get him to Earth, how exactly do you extract DNA from such a creature? Um, exactly. Because, you know, if you try to take a syringe to him that most medical methods wouldn't 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 suffice i assume he can still spit in a cup though yeah or no, even, i mean most you know, shave off his own beard which obviously he can do mm-hmm. my my thesis here is that both jorel and general zod are madmen they're <laughs> that not, part I, one of them. I will stand with you on that okay look you okay. have to be I, they were the only two people on the planet that realized just how acute the 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 destruction of their planet was and mm-hmm. it takes a madman to notice this it just does. I I did I like I, I loved that Jorel was actually answering questions that I had in his dialogue to General Zod mm-hmm. because Zod you know barges in and says this council is is disbanded. I will be the ruler and all of you will be punished and, and blah blah blah. And Jorel says you'll you'll be the leader, but of what? Fair right. point. Fair right. point. But and this is this is why you have to trust your scientists sometimes because. Zod is he's born he's born military he is he's he's very specifically bred for it he sees the destruction of the planet and the the loss of kryptonian life on a wholesale scale and his response is to shoot some stuff and be mad about it Charles's right, response is no more insane or no no less insane either his it's a it's a mad cry it's a whimper in the dark he shoots his child out into nothingness now see i i okay here here's my problem Jarrell make oh, does oh, make wait, a valid wait. point 
Jor-El, his whole plan is to let Krypton die. Later in the movie, when he's talking to well, Superman... It's not part of his plan so much. It's just an inevitability no. he can't avoid. No, it's not. It's it really is. not. And I'll make that point in a second. Okay, go. <laughs> When Kal-El, when Superman asks Digital Father mm-hmm. why Jor-El and Laura, yeah, why Jor-El and Laura could not join him, he says, "Oh, we were we were as much a pro- a product of old Krypton as uh, as General Zod was. We can't go." That his whole reasoning was, "Eh, we kind of helped them. We kind of helped lead them to ruin." So we needed to die. At one point on Krypton, he's telling the council, we need to look to the stars like our ancestors did. There are habitable worlds within reach. We can begin by using the old outpost, which makes it, which is tricky because it makes it seem like he knew Earth was there and he knew, like he knew that that was an old outpost and maybe he did. Mm-hmm. There's enough to support that theory. He knew why Earth in the would hell... roughly be in that vicinity. The right. same way we but... know there are habitable worlds in our, in real life. We, we know there are habitable worlds that we could go to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We they're so far away that all we can basically do is look and say that they're in the right spot and that they're the yeah, right distance he, from the sun and they probably have enough uh, the density of matter probably indicates that they would have oxygen. But short of that, why like, why my, I mean, they were a little okay. more advanced. My point is Jorel clearly does not want the inhabitants of Krypton to survive. He believes that they are a product of a bygone era, an era that led Krypton to ruin. He says, because when he says, look to the stars, go to the outpost, one of the, the council member, who is not long for Krypton, by the way, because no, Zod kills no, he her in about two seconds, are you, says, are you seriously suggesting that we evacuate the whole planet? He says, no. Uh, Jor-El says, no. Everybody here is already dead. Right. That's the biggest. Okay. That's the most important line for me. He, the, Except the Jor-El is wrong. Jor-El is wrong. He is not. You've got like two weeks. Your tectonic plates are shifting out of alignment. You've got about two weeks before this entire fragile system falls in on itself and makes and a it takes big them, ass explosion. It takes them all of five, six minutes to go grab the codex himself. Which, funny little line in there, Kelix, the little computer, says, oh, it's like a Class B offense or whatever, and Jarrell says, nobody cares anymore, the world is ending. Uh, yeah, uh, except that everybody freaking cares, because General Zod and, I guess, the council forces are fighting well, their General asses Zod off. General Zod cared, because it, his, he understood that, that they were all dying, because his programming is to understand when danger is present, and uh-huh. to, to try to protect through military, through martial rule, and right. that's exactly what he does. He sees the danger. I understand. He, he's not willing to admit that they're doomed. That's not in his programming. I mean, this, this isn't like, these people aren't binary sets of, of logical conclusions. They're, they're real people, but certain kinds of people, like Zod, for instance, won't admit failure. Through the film, he doesn't admit failure. He, he goes down swinging um, yeah. Or staring, as it were. But he goes down trying to do what he was programmed to do. That's just, that's what he, that's what he does. It's in his heart. Jarrell is the same, mm-hmm. same kind of person. I mean, you get the feeling that they were actually close friends and they were cut from the same kind of cloth. Either one of them was quitting, by the way. At the same time, Jarrell took down the world's foremost military leader on hand, in hand to hand combat. Just, just pointing that out. Yeah. Just, just throwing that yeah. out. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. And I, I, I don't need you to point that out because I already Card know it. and badass. Hold on, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> General I still, Zod. No, I, I don't believe that in any way that, that, that the, planet was anything but condemned doomed and earmarked no. for failure that there was nothing they could have done he takes this tiny ship which the one of the things i miss i, I wish was just a one-liner just a one-liner when he's asking his dad did you dad why didn't you come with me because the ship didn't have room why didn't you build a bigger ship because we didn't have the materials to build a bigger ship in the time frame that i had it takes a lot of power to shoot mm-hmm. you across hyperspace son 
Well, that makes sense. Except, it makes all the sense in the world. And it's true. Yeah, Look at that, that ship that, that he gets sense. shipped out on and tell me you could have fit two, two adults in there with him. Fair enough. But they had a whole freaking ship that they stuck General Zod and his... And they they put General Zod and his crew in dildos and stuck them in a, in a giant-ass ship that they could have put... Form-fitting So dildos. many... What? Form-fitting dildos, too. Form-fitting flying dildos. <laughs> fit them all into this ship. By the way, huge ship. Those dildos sat right there on the bridge. They could have fit probably a few hundred Kryptonians in that ship. They didn't even try. They could have stuck them in the Phantom Zone and thought, well, hopefully something will happen and, and they won't at least, they, they won't die. Or they could have used the, or they could have retrofitted the hyperdrive since Jorel was the chief scientist of Krypton. Well, he was the chief I mean, if General, scientist if, of, of impotency as well. He had, he was completely impotent in this situation. I believe when he says look to the stars that he meant See those big ass ships we use for marooning people? What yeah. if? And then on the other hand, he, but he, he didn't say he that. Could have very well meant, and it would have been a fine plan. Look, grab, uh, you know, Noah's Ark. This shit. Grab a few of each and a few of the other. Throw them in the Phantom Zone. It's gonna. And suck. if the council, we'll have to do it on a cal- it, volunteer level, I suppose, because that's just cruel. But maybe they survive. Just maybe. And I believe when he says. You know, look to the stars. I think that's what he's talking about. It's a couple of crazy no. ass plans like that, but there ain't nobody on that planet that's going to make it out. No, he because he says everyone here is already dead. Give me control of the Codex. I will ensure the survival of our race. There is still hope. I have held that hope in my hands. At this point, he's only talking about Kal El. He's, he's talking just about putting, talking about Kal El. Yeah. He comes in. He puts that Codex before he even knows that there is a world here. He puts that Codex in the little anti-grav thing. He is about to shoot that shit directly into his son. He has given up hope for anyone on krypton by the way right thanks for asking any damn body on krypton <laughs> other than a bunch hey, of old look, white people <laughs> my argument is this is this you know every Zod, one of those people had least... access to the same information that Jarrell did it didn't sound like that was the first time he'd given them that whole we're doomed speech and you go back through the books and that's the way it plays every time he doesn't like figure yeah. it out the day before he figures it out over time, and he tries to prove it to him, and he tries to prove it to him, and he keeps proving it to himself and running the data again because he really wants to be wrong, but he's not. They're going. I mean, to General die. Zod. General Zod wants to. And I mean, Zod he's is got a good trusted friend who believes his friend, who he knows is the most intelligent person on the planet. We'll just go ahead and assume that as a possibility. Actually, but he knows a, his friend a... is good at what he does, mm-hmm. and he trusts him when he says, "We're going to die, Zod," and. Eh, he keeps it. But Zod seemed to want he to actually to try to grab some Kryptonians and maybe go off to a space colony somewhere. Sure, he's a Hitler. He wants to kind of take out all of the genes that that led to these idiot lawmakers well, with their the endless and who would debates. Who survives? You? Yeah, but it's better than killing off the entire planet. Jarrell is basically making the same call. He's like, okay, anyone who's on Krypton is dead. We're gonna throw all these all, all of the Codex into my son, who may or may not ever have an actual way of reviving any of Krypton. Whatever. No. Both plans are. No, he's a batshit crazy. It's again. It's how he's programmed. Man's a dreamer. Man's a. Dreamer. He's, he's yeah. Speaking he really of, is. Let's he's speaking. John Lennon in a fancy ass suit who apparently can kick ass. Like he stands for hope, though. That's that's the what the crest stands for in this film. Does which, he? By the way, I, he he stands for hope. <laughs> he stands for hope, but that means you also stand for chance. You can't just stand for hope and not not know that you're taking a chance. If you if you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. I mean, if if you have hope with certainty, it's not hope. It's just 
uncertainty. At, at, at this point, you're right. You're right in that Jorel has clearly had this this conversation with the council before. And if they come back like, and they, they say, hey, look, this is by him. Yeah. And it, look, man, if they come back and in a sequel of some sort, they say, by the way, here's the bottled city of Candor, which was basically the result of an underground railroad for freaking Kryptonians that Jorel was instituting because he knew the council wouldn't ever see his way. Look, I've seen I'll, versions I'll, where I've seen versions I'll be happy where the to capital accept city it. of Krypton was saved by Brainiac and stored mm-hmm. in his little register. Right. Things are possible. I, I'm just saying, man, Jor-El is clearly like I think Zod's plan is better. Zod Zod's plan is at least to keep some of the people around. Whereas right. Jor-El just says, No, we are the product of a bygone era. We must all die, <laughs> me and my Notice, wife included. Uh, I forget the name of that one uh, of the one girl he has on his little crew. But she's the only girl I saw, and it's a bunch of guys. Feora. Apparently, she's just going to be a breeding sow, <laughs> if, if his plan stands. Well, no, because apparently they all knew that that colony ship was sitting around on Earth, right? So they're going to use that Genesis chamber to, to bring back Krypton. Yeah, but you can bring because out the planet. That... You still have to populate. Well, that's what the Genesis chamber is for. Oh, yeah, you can take the codec and put it, codecs and put right. it in there. And... Okay. That's why he was looking for the codex. Now, I mean, they didn't know that that it's was there. It's a little there. better than the Sal. They didn't know that that, that was there. Uh, okay, anyway. So, by the way, I'm assuming Jarrell and Zod are, are, are friends to such an extent that each of them taught the other their trade. Right. Since Jarrell can kick was... all sorts of ass and Zod can... At least reverse engineer a damn phantom drive and make a warp data. drive. Right. These are not undertrained people. I assume their schooling is a little is a little Vulcanish. You know, you're 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 doing high level mathematics at like age six. Right. Well, I mean, you were bred for war, but I mean, we're gonna throw in some low level retrofitting of phantom drive engines. There's to... always basic curriculum. There's always uh-huh. basic curriculum. And as and for the scientific community, we're gonna teach you how to kick ass. Fair, I sure as hell would know how to rebuild an engine. <laughs> I say that not knowing how to rebuild my own car engine, but I don't know. Spaceships make it all scarier and much cooler. Uh-huh. All right, I stand by my. They it was ill-defined. It looks like Jarrell is a madman. He's Rachel Ghoul. He's willing to destroy the he entire. Is absolutely a madman. Now to the Rachel Ghoul point. At no point <laughs> have I ever heard Rage use the phrase or even infer that he was or imply that he was going to use the phrase off-planet colonization. No, he Does was just going to drown up. the He's, entire world in a. Friggin' Lazarus Pit. Yeah, no, he's all he's 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 a very uh he really is. He's a he's an earth he's an earth guy. That's just how it is. He's a, a very terrestrial being. Mm-hmm. He would rather the earth itself be healthy than we be on the planet. A position chosen by some and not understood by me. But But if Jarrell is right and no one cares be- about him committing a crime anymore because the world is about to end, why does the council even put Zod and his crew in those dildos and stick them in that ship? Because they're, that's the point of them. Is they're that they are that, that sided They are. They okay. are. They are. Uh, they are absolutely every one of them is a lame duck. They're just sitting mm-hmm. up there with all of their coronations, just mealing away at time, doing. And, absolutely yeah. By the nothing. way, I, there isn't if, a version that I've ever seen of the Kryptonian Council that has in any way been an intelligent decision-making body. They are always oh, sure. absolute crackheads, pompous <laughs> fools. By, Let by them the eat cake. Like that should be their. Th- <laughs> By the way, where are all the people of Krypton freaking out? Because while they're holding these these proceedings and, and sending Zod and his crew into this ship, into the Phantom Zone, the world is literally breaking apart around them. Like, lava is streaming up out of the freaking ground. It's just... It's... <laughs> 
I don't know. They do. They make it sound like there's about 40 people on the planet. But that's a problem. The <laughs> problem the movie has in general is it does. There's about there are about 40 people inhabiting Krypton, period, which is strange because you see them swimming through those tunnels and all of them are feed eye. So where all those mm-hmm. feed eye are going to be fed is beyond me because there's apparently just yeah. like six or eight families. But you do the same problem I have later. I said I would defend this movie. I didn't say every part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Metropolis is comprised of about 35 folk. 35 yeah. folk, 30 of which work in one building. In 30 which case, people it apparently make the news have, for the other five people. In which case, it should have been really, really easy for them to just shuffle them into a ship and phantom drive their ass to another colony somewhere. I mean, I agree. But it, it's all, every time <laughs> of, every time you've seen it, every time it's in it's in any, it, the story is told in any capacity, it's always, we only had so many resources. And it's always that Jarl has to squirrel those resources away to even make the ship. He hides it in a mm-hmm. silo, essentially, mm-hmm. and, and builds inside the silo and, and under, under cloak and dagger he's he gets this thing together just on you know on the on the down low so he he can't build one big enough for his whole family of course he'd like to agreed but they don't have the energy resources right but they do they have enough energy to put a bunch of criminals into a pod somewhere and no they didn't have that much energy they were using the last of their energy probably but that council is too damn stupid to know what they're doing these are the people who would run out of gas in the middle of a country road and simply yell at their car for not going further i don't disagree with that at all But, you know, you would think, you would hope that even if they were that stupid, even if they were that useless, they would still think, oh, like one person on the council might think, oh, well, we might have a chance. I don't, I don't know. Nobody. I mean, they were bred for this. It's, you live your life with blinders on. Your, your genes are, are manipulated in such a way that you are exactly the kind of person that you need to be to be, say, a councilman. And apparently, right, I understand. over the years, and that's... as they've tweaked the formula, using your frontal lobe became something that was not necessary for a councilman. But that's what bothers me is that you, you, you have that concept, which I can, I can totally get behind that and it would totally be believable. And then, but then again, you have Jarrell and Zod who have all of these extra abilities that they shouldn't have, like being able to fight and or being able to retrofit a freaking phantom drive. I don't. See, it's just I think uneven that is general curriculum. I think that is like you have to take one year of either science or computer or computer science or language when you go to college. I think that's all that in, is. In which case, those council members should have at least had some inkling of a of a of a concept. Some they should have enough knowledge to know. Like by the way, the ground is is coming apart. <laughs> There sure have been a lot of earthquake earthquakes recently. You think we should have somebody it's, look into that? No, no. I'm sure, the Earth just ate something it didn't like. And going back to that first speech, like Jarrell is like, "I warned you. I told you this was going to happen." And their response is, "What would you have us do?" Well, essentially, yeah, they're going to sit on their fucking thumbs and wait for the world to end. But that's that's what that's the thing. They were trained to be the kind of people who didn't think about new problems. They were trained to keep a lid on the problems you knew about. It, it is, I hate to say that it reminds me a lot of, of politicians, but it does. It's something that politicians are, are generally lauded for their ability to do, which is, mm-hmm. on, uh, they call it keeping a calm, clear head. I call it not fucking paying attention to something in front of you. But it's a trait, and it's a trait that works. It's a trait that gets you elected in some cases. But that kind of just unstalled confidence, just, just walking into a room, just sure that you've got this under control. No matter what the cost, and no matter what the kind. It's, okay, fine. 
I, I can't argue that dumbass politicians isn't a poor plot point, and I can't make mm-hmm. it seem more real than it is. But I can tell you that Jarrell's decisions based on that, which were pure lunacy, are at least inspired by hope, <laughs> the ability that chance should enter their broken population again. Which is, that's the other part. He sends, he sends them to a, a new place. He doesn't want to send them to somewhere that's that's been corrupted in the way that his society has. Because obviously that failed. When you're standing on a planet who is, who's, who has decided that it no longer needs to sit together, and you're sitting there talking to the world leaders, and they tell you, what would you have me do? You've failed. This is a dystopia. You've, you've, that's the cap. That's where you go ahead and call it. You go from green light to red light here. You're done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, I, think, I, I think Jarrell was just I being a little I, glib when he says, I was as much a part of it as anything else. I think he was just being philosophical. Overly philosophical and, and droll. I don't think it has that much substance. It, yeah, n- exactly. That's what this whole script is. Uh, that's what the whole script is is lacking a substance. There, it, it ain't that deep, which is a damn shame because they could <laughs> actually get deep with this and actually throw in a couple of lines that would explain oh i don't know any damn real decision that any of these characters make i think they threw in enough lines that i can make sense of it it, it does it, it i don't, I don't think Jarrell's comment like that you could have cut it out and it would have made it wouldn't have made a damn and i do i think he was we just could have cut out the entire origin little, and i wouldn't have cared oh i would have been pissed i mean don't get me wrong it's not like anyone needed to see superman's origin again you know there's certain things people just know i mean you can go talk to the average grandmother and she might actually be able to tell you that superman is from krypton it, right we know this but they did a good job with it it looked great jar looked great card carrying badass again i mean i enjoyed it i could have watched another 10 minutes of that yeah i could have too with all of those lines that explained what the hell they were actually talking about doing maybe that, some that lines that didn't make Jarrell seem to be a complete psychopath i think he well he's not a psychopath he's a man responding to an, a, an absurd situation he's a new father i mean eternal <laughs> instinct is, is high. yeah yeah which by the way if your your species is, uh, if your species is about to die maybe now might not be the best time to be worrying about boinking your wife and conceiving a son or uh, sorry, as he put it, a boy child. If your species is about to die, I don't know another. I don't know another instinct that should kick in faster than boink your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the survival instincts were not wrong. <laughs> that might be fair. <laughs> You're about to depopulate. What uh, What else should you do? Eat a lot of protein and boink. <laughs> He spent so much time trying to conceive, in fact, that he couldn't actually conceive of a good plan. I mean, the whole reason... the it only was a good enough plan. Reason. There's a lot of elasticity in the the whole, <laughs> you know, we're going to send the kid to a yellow sun. He's going to be okay. We could shoot him into the sun and he'd be okay. Which, yeah, probably by the start, way... Probably break the sun. This is, this, this is actually notable here. Krypton does not have a red sun. Krypton has a dying yellow sun in this version. Yeah, uh, they didn't necessarily say it was red, but a dying yellow sun presumably would have less solar Captain Crunch, whatever whatever it is that they're calling it that right. Batman, uh, Superman soaks up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, yeah. all you have to say is that the sun is weaker there than it is here. And then he also mentions yeah. that the, the gravity is, is not as strong, which by the way explains why your average Kryptonian can come over here and take a punch from fucking Superman. Right, yeah, no, I'm um, not I'm not hating on that. Um, I mean, one of my favorite well. Superman stories, one of my favorite Superman stories winds up showing that in, you know, that Superman keeps getting older and the world keeps going and at some point the Lex 
Luther line gets so long that it gets truncated to L. And when our son <laughs> starts dying, we realize that Jor-El is the descendant of Lex Luthor <laughs> many thousands of years in the future and winds up sending his only son back in time. And, and so I'm not hating on that. It's kind of a cool, cool idea. No, that that's that's a that's an excellent story. Yeah, I believe you can thank Mark Millar for that. I do thank him. So on to Earth and I, a whole I, lot of things. I, think, I don't know. I, I want to. It seems like you you had so many problems with just the Jarrell part that it was almost. I, I think you your suspension of disbelief was relatively destroyed before the actual Earth part of this film even got started. It, it was. It was. You were already like just clinging, clinging to that to that piece of wonderment. You really were. <laughs> Well, they make such a big deal. I mean, they they clearly put Jonathan Kent on the side of the devils in this movie. He doesn't want it He doesn't want Clark to do anything. He never wants Clark to do anything. He wants Clark to stay in the shadows. He wants Clark to 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 be safe and he's a god. Well, that's the thing is Jonathan Kent's philosophy for how to protect his son is one of the least one of the least defendable positions in the movie. And it has to do with it, it, the his his premise, the entirety of what he believed and Clark states it outright is that the world wasn't ready for for what he could do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine, but do you have an end game At what here? point does the world become ready? Ready. Right. That's my that's my problem with it. Is did you have an end game? If you didn't, then you're just trying to you're you're trying to hide your Clark. It's never going to work. At some point, he's mm-hmm. going to save a, a bunch of kids from a from drowning in a bus, or he's going to. I mean, I guess running across Zod would have been avoidable if he hadn't gone and found that ship and activated a beacon somewhere. But something was something was going to pop off somewhere and. You, yeah. you raised a good kid. He's gonna get in there and get, and, and participate. He's, I mean, he's gonna stand it, by and let somebody die. No. When you have Jonathan Kent saying, "Well, maybe you should have let them die." The kids in the school bus. You ha- you have stuff like that happening, and it. I didn't mind that. I watched that. I watched that scene three times. I rewound it and watched it and rewound it and watched it just to see if I could hear anything differently than this. He says maybe, and he means maybe. I, I think again, that's mm-hmm. one of those instances of the film being glib, and it's it was a bad choice. I really do. I mean, you could have taken that line out, taken some of this off the table, and you and I wouldn't be worrying about this particular point. Right. But I would have been better with I, maybe, it, maybe a hesitation, he even, and then he shrugs no, his shoulders. of course not. He he shrugs. It's a, he's verbally shrugging his shoulders with that line, saying, "I don't know." And that's the fact. Is it? That's the most truthful line he damn says in the movie. Is I don't know. I don't know what to mm-hmm. do. With you. I mean, his he's again. He's just he's just a dad, and he's an adopted dad, I guess. But he's a dad. He's just trying yeah, to protect and, his son. He doesn't know how the hell to protect something like this, but he's just trying anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a guy who thinks, okay, well, maybe my son should have let a bunch of school kids on a school bus die. But I did happen to take a chunk of metal. He wouldn't be wrong for saying spaceship. Well, right, but this is a guy who took a chunk of a spaceship that had an S carved into the top of it Mm -hmm. to an expert. To have, he says this. He took it to a what it was a metallurgist or something. Is that what it's called? He says a metallurgist um, at the University of Kansas or Kansas State University, one of the two. Yeah. And this cat looked at this thing and said, "It is not of Earth," and didn't tell anyone. I good. Yeah, I mean, they were a little too flippant you, with that you, too. I would have preferred them actually mention that. I, I was willing to bet that he had gone through the trouble <laughs> of of premising this and 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 prefacing this scientist that you may find something here and that needs to stay here. But mm-hmm. I'll give it this. And the the film does adopt the philosophy that if you explain to someone that, blah, 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 I know you're going to want to tell everybody, but everyone will freak yeah. the hell out and kill each other. And every character that, that has that explained to them does um, abruptly stop yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. The film does, the film does go along with that. 
which would be fine. I would accept it begrudgingly. At least they stay true to that theme. At least they do Except, that. Ex- no, they don't, though. Ex- they do. <laughs> Go ahead. When Go ahead. General Go ahead. Zod, when General Zod is floating above Earth and talking about how you have 24 hours to show yourself, Kal-El, or I'll do, the Earth will reap the blah, blah. Okay, cool. Everyone on Earth suddenly became very aware of extraterrestrials. Did they flip their shit? Nope. They went home, went to bed, and they got up and went to work the next day. Metropolis, yeah. the ne- that next day was no more rioty. <laughs> there were no... There were no pastors killing themselves in their churches. There were... There were I mean, well, geez, actually, we even saw see a consider, priest though. standing around like cleaning up and shit. Think about what you saw, though. This is and this is a problem I have. <laughs> this is one of my problems with the film, though, is it doesn't show you enough of Metropolis. It's called Metropolis. It's supposed to be the city of the future. Show me some of it. I mean, we're talking. Pete we're Ross talking went to work the next day at IHOP. Here. Pete Ross went to work the next day at IHOP. How many in a tiny food town, service in, in a tiny town where everyone there would have immediately assumed it was a prank? And there's no way. How many fr- food service employees? I don't care if it's a small town or a big town. How many food service employees do you know who would look at I'm the television screen and say, "Space aliens know, are about to destroy I know what us"? You're saying. I think but I'll go back to work. Food service employees on the whole. I know. I know. Feed, but food service employees on the whole need money. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you can't like, I, not when you're I've worked dead. that job for years and you, you just kind of, you, you need, you need money. You go to work the next day. I'm less concerned with the employees in a small town who might've been able to convince themselves that this was just a prank and this is, it's going to sort itself out and didn't want to lose their job because they were crazy enough to believe some stupid shit. I'm less absur- uh, con- concerned with the IHOP employees. <laughs> As the IHOP customers. Yeah. What was up with those guys? Like, oh, well, the world's ending. Time to go off my diet. Then again, I've never seen an alien. For all I know, when you see an alien, your first thought is, fuck, I want a pancake. (laughs) Possible. (laughs) Well, to be fair, I mean, I'm a large guy, man. I'm a fat man. I I probably would think, oh, time to eat. Right. No, I mean, it, and it could be that in this little world, uh, there's a there's a real thing that uh, that I think it was even FEMA uses to gauge how bad a situation is as far as their disaster efforts. They gauge it. Uh, there are many factors, but one of them that is actually on record as being a factor is they will gauge it by how many Waffle Houses are still working. Literally, they will ask someone, well, is mm-hmm. the Waffle House still running? Yeah, they're on limited menu, but they're still running. Okay, then it's not that bad. That shit happens. Maybe it's IHOP <laughs> in this world. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Maybe, Maybe it's just so. the one, like, think about it, last storm you saw, <laughs> I bet your Waffle House was open, or your Huddle House, or whatever, yeah. or your, your IHOP, yeah. or whatever it is in the, whatever region you're in. Now, um, as far now, as Smallville as far is concerned. As, hold on, though, hold on. Go ahead. Now, Metropolis, think mm-hmm. about the employees that you saw at work that next day. You saw a priest, mm-hmm. you saw some FBI agents, and you saw some newspaper people. These are the three mm-hmm. kinds of people, not the three, there are many more, but these are three types of people who would be even more prone to get the ass to work the next day, probably even early, if they saw aliens. Because yep. if I'm a and priest, reporters. my ass is sitting in that congregation. Now, the least believable aspect of all that is that that congregation wasn't fucking full. How is how are those pews not yeah. full? Yeah, that's that's I the first four rows with shotguns in their mouths as they pray. Right. Like, we're talking about an alien invasion. Right. Oh, now, God. I did I did say that I was here to defend this movie, and I mm-hmm. intend to do so. Again, <laughs> I can't I can't state this this heartily enough. Not all of it. Everything's got flaws. Well, as much as as much like I could have overlooked it. I mean, we saw the Avengers. They have full blown alien invasion in that movie. 
Uh, we're mm-hmm. not bitching about any any of this not happening in the in the Avengers, but at the same time, the Ma- Man of Steel made such a big deal out of what would happen when Earth realized that they were not alone in the universe. As far as I can tell, when they actually did find out that they were in fact not alone in the universe, they watched their TVs, they went to bed, they thought, well, that'll be an interesting day tomorrow, went to work, and then some build- some buildings crumbled on top of them. I don't know, though. Like, then, what do you do? I, what did you expect them to do? Like, watch that, that broadcast and uh, strip, make a hat out of the family dog and go jack off in the streets? Like, you, you what? Yes. <laughs> what response would you have them have? I want human beings scared out out of their wits acting on their worst possible base instincts because that is exactly what would happen most likely and that's the thing that that, that that Jonathan's so afraid of and I feel him on that I mean I'm I would be I would be less terrified of if if we discovered today if we were if it was this evening or whatever evening mm-hmm. you're listening to this it was if it was that evening that we, we discovered 100% certain aliens exist we don't know exactly what they're up to they seem like they might harm us if they need to I don't know they gave us an ultimatum that can't be a good start to a relationship mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> I I don't know what else I would do I mean, go to bed, get up tomorrow, hope Jarrell turned himself in. (laughs) You've got to be thinking, okay, it's not, I mean, if you're the average guy, you, you, do you know Jarrell? No. Do you know where to find Jarrell? No. Kal-El, I'm sorry. Um, replace all of the previous Jarrells with Kal-El for the last three. Um, imagine you're in that situation and do you know him? No. Do you know where to find him? No. Do you know who could find him even? No. Is there a seven degrees of Kevin Bacon you can play with Kal-El? No. Well, what, what, can you affect the situation? Can you stop the aliens? No. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, go home, spend some time with your family. If you have any Ambien stored from somewhere, take it and try to get a good night's rest. Because tomorrow, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. But for all you know, it's just a weird thing that happens, and you've still got an eight to five you've got to keep up with. Like, the paperwork's mm-hmm. not going to stop. Kathy from accounting isn't going to stop sending you emails about a form you stopped, you didn't meant to fill out just because aliens came. No. no she I, still wants that now, shit. I am hoping. Because, you know, no, no matter what kind of natural disaster is going on, no matter what's happening... There's always a fair amount of idiots who just decide to go out in it anyway. Of course. I'm thinking, of course. and this is this is just headcanon. Many stories of Alabamians shooting at UFOs with shotguns. Right. This is all headcanon at this point, what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. But I would like to point out that it is the fault of the movie, the fault of the screenwriter, that I have to, put, I have to create so much damn headcanon to make this movie work. <laughs> I am assuming, though. That the I, people, the few uh, scattered bouts of people that we see running away from, from toppling buildings while Zod and Superman mm-hmm. are duking it out, or mm-hmm. the few idiots who decided, oh, well, day off, yay, I'm going to go to the coffee shop, or Daily Planet reporters. <laughs> that way, the city really is evacuated. Most people are just not in the buildings at the, uh, you know, any given point. Like, most people didn't go to work. That's because whenever they're throwing each other through buildings, there aren't people in those buildings. Hell, most of the time, the lights are off. So, yeah, I'm going to go that ahead and just is. assume... That, you know, we they didn't show us the little newsreel where they were like, oh, city officials are telling people to stay in their homes. Do not go to work. Do not go down to the corner barista. <laughs> As I, if you needed to be told that. I wouldn't have minded the line. I really wouldn't have. Like, there's, there's some execution minded. errors as far as setting up. Yeah, like you said, the headcanon. I shouldn't <laughs> need this much of it. It's not, you know, it's not the tightest written film I've ever damn seen, dude. It's just. No. <sighs> Um, no. 
it, speaking it, of they're, which, they're, they're heirs. Speaking of which, we we get we, we're we're in we're okay. We're in Smallville. First of all, I I am a Superman fan. Not as big of a Superman fan as I am a Batman fan, but hey, what do you want from me? Everybody's got to have a boy. I love the character of Lana Lang. I love the character of Pete Ross. These characters were done a tremendous disservice here. Probably not as much as Jonathan Kent. Well, I'll take that back. Pete Ross actually was done more of a disservice than than Jonathan Kent. Pete Ross is a character we're talking about who is, one, Clark's best friend. Two, a cat that winds up growing up to become the vice president of the United States of America. He's not a shift leader at IHOP. Right. No, they do have him be his friend at some point. There is at least a, a wink. No, they have him be a fat coward who watches his friends beat the, or threaten to beat the shit out of Clark and then when they all walk away because Pa Kent's staring at him he like sheepishly helps Clark up that was that was well, the was end of sheepish. his I mean that, that is was the, the extent end of, of his, his heroism uh, that and you know heroically being the guy who covered the shift that morning at IHOP which by the way I'm confused as to why those I kids even showed up at the, there was somebody who called out I'm confused as to why the those kids even showed up at the truck and tractor repair anyway just just to bully Clark because they knew his dad was standing right there. I, it, 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 what? Yeah. He was sitting in a car. He was sitting in a car and they pulled him out. Anyway. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, I know. But it was... So I, yeah, I, Jonathan... I, I'm not going to Jonathan's justify coward. any any version of a, a set of behaviors by a group of, of jackass bully kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact is, though, kids are mean. You, you put them all in the playground together and somebody ends up being the weak link and gets made fun of it's just it's a fact so somebody had to be a bully mm, uh, sure. but it, it it wasn't about um i just didn't focus on it as much like that that one yeah if i have time i can go back and punch some holes in and how that happened but it's a simple shot it's a simple side shot and i don't care mm-hmm. too much about pete ross man i just don't you can rewrite him to hell and back i you can make him constantine sure go for it i don't give a fuck i didn't need him to be in there i didn't hell i didn't care about any of that daily planet crew to be honest i care about lois i don't even care about perry white jimmy olsen's kind of a thing mm. that like it's cute but I could do without it. I'm not, I didn't care. Just wasn't on my radar. I'll I'll get to Jenny Olsen in a minute, but man, I care about Smallville because Smallville is where these, this, these are the people who form Clark. This is why we have Superman and not the next super, or like a super powered Hitler. The people in Smallville, unless you have people who form people in that little town, you cannot teach temperance. But what we're being seen is the, the guy who was previously his best friend in almost every iteration is a coward. A bully and then a coward. Because apparently being fat and... It, okay, you can be a bully and be fat. But once you get glasses... <laughs> you suddenly, now you have to work at an IHOP? I'm confused. Uh, now you have to work at an IHOP and help the little scrawny kid up. That's fair. I mean... It- they didn't. They didn't draw him as like you're. It, it's not Pete Ross from the comic books that they did. They just drew a character and they named him Pete Ross, and he happened to be mm-hmm. some kid that was kind of mean when he started, mm-hmm. and then has this just I don't know shit inspiring f- freaking incident in a bus because every one of those kids wet their pants by the way. Every one of them. Oh yeah. There's one sociopath on the bus who probably did it there, <laughs> but every one of those kids is is terrified, and he just ends up being a scared little boy and a small minded kind of town it's called smallville did you expect mm-hmm. them to be progressive like there no version of smallville i've ever seen has anything but the th- that that sort of small town everything's the same mentality that's the point mm-hmm. that's why is the boy from kansas some farm boy as lois calls him on several occasions like mm-hmm. that's where he grew up but on any in any town like that you have people you have people that are that are a little bit progressive and a little bit you know leaning a little bit leaning that way but you, you, you in any town doesn't matter how progressive or how big or small your town is you've 
got bullies. You've got mean kids. You've right. always got. And you've I've always got I would, the kids around them who just try to avoid the mean kids because it's easier than trying to fight the mean kids every day of your life. Right. So, and I would have been more willing to accept Pete Ross as a bully if Jonathan Kent mm-hmm. wasn't a bully. If Jonathan Kent wasn't a bully? Yeah, because that's what he is. That's what Jonathan Kent is pretty much the entire movie. How? Jonathan Kent, <laughs> what is a bully? Other than someone who is telling others, you need to conform to society. You need to do what we tell you to do. That's what Jonathan Kent is doing this entire movie. Don't be special. No. You keep your shit secret. It's you, not that And then he, he turns around at some point and goes, I mean, you were sent here for a reason and you need to figure out what that was. Here's that key, by the way. Uh, because one day you're going to do great things. Just, you know, by the way, don't, don't let that day be the day that I get killed by a tornado, Clark. Just don't. Right. Whatever you do. Whatever we'll get into you that do. damn tornado in a second. By the way, by the way, you know, no, let's go ahead and get into that because no, there are a I number of things. On this. You're Jonathan okay. Kent. We're not doing the tornado <laughs> yet. You're Jonathan Kent. You've got, you, you, you just found this this little baby who, who appears to be invulnerable. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. How are you not terrified? He probably didn't sleep for a week once he realized what this kid was capable of. I mean, first of all, he fell sure. out of the fucking sky. So, already got urine in the pants, right? And then you find mm-hmm. out that the kid's okay. Or, well, first of all, you find out there's a kid in there in general. And second, you find out that the kid's okay. And mm-hmm. so now you're either terrified of the technology that's in it and whatever kind of dampening gel they're working on. Eventually, it occurs to you, though, that there's this invulnerable child who, with an, at an infancy stage, probably almost crushed his finger when he grasped, grasped it the first time. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're terrified. You're terrified beyond anything you've ever been taught. No playbook was given for this. Your first instinct is 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 to protect the kid, I guess maybe. But it's going to mm-hmm. fight it's going to fight the other instinct to protect the world from this kid. So rather than get all red sun on it and send him off to God knows where, he he tries to do the only thing he can. He raises the kid like he was his own and tries to explain to him what a good person would do in any situation, mm-hmm. which I suppose is kind of what you do with a kid in general. So he basically just decides to treat it like it's an actual child of his which is the only retort he could have. Because let's put it this way. If Jonathan Kent was a jackass, if he was raised in, like, American Gangster or something, we would all be fucked. Straight up. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're not going to... That codex did not have morality coded into it. You have to show him what morality was. So you have to actually, step by step, explain to him why you don't kick cats, why you don't pick on the, the, the weak kid. Why you why you defend somebody? Why would you let someone make autonomous decisions? All of that you have to explain from scratch. And you have to explain it better than anyone's ever done it before. Because at some point, this guy could rule the earth by himself. Sure, sure. And I mean, I, I understand uh, that concept. But Jonathan Kent goes so far as to do it. to He, he does it to an extreme where he's saying, maybe you should have let those kids die. Yeah. Maybe. You, he's and, not, and he's, he's doing not really it suggesting with, it. Look, he's simply saying that he doesn't know either. Those kids bullying him at... The, the truck and tractor repair. Would it have... I mean, he could have stood up for himself, punched a kid, knocked him out, even. Mm-hmm. Held back, held his punch, you know. I doubt the first conclusion anyone's going to jump to is alien. <laughs> but that is... Likewise. I've, I've, that's a point I'm going to make with that tornado. If, if you want to go there, we can do it. You want to yeah. jump to the tornado? Yeah. Actually, let's, let's first jump to the truck stop. Guy is uh, sexually harassing the waitress there. Clark decides, well, I could bounce his ass. <laughs> but no, I'm sure if I did, everyone would know I'm an alien. So instead, I'm going to go outside and shove all the logs on his truck through his truck and, and make some bizarre, twisted modern pop culture art piece because that doesn't scream alien no i know i know i actually now let's get nothing on that scene i would have cut the entire fucking scene (laughs) let's let's go ahead let's go ahead and get to the tornado i I got nothing on that one 
Because Paul it, Kent. The, the tornado thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. All right. First of all, let's... Uh, well, okay, I understand he's an adopted kid. We're gonna. We're, at some point, I don't want to see it. At some point, he's going to say, you're not my dad. Whatever. I don't want to see that. Especially not from Clark Kent. Not between Jonathan Kent and Clark. No. But well, it happens. It happens. We're listening time. to the conversation. And listening to the conversation, Clark wants to do something special with his life. He wants to do something good. He wants to help people. Jonathan is dead set against it. Jonathan is the one making it personal, first of all. So what? He's saying, so what? Being a farmer? Being a farmer doesn't help people? Being a farmer doesn't... Dude, you have a god on your hands. He don't want us feed the damn chickens buddy right he shouldn't be feeding the chickens this this has never been a this is part of the the movie makes this point very clear i Mm -hmm. don't disagree that jonathan kent had a terrible plan in fact i insist that he didn't have one all he had was some basic survival (laughs) instincts and and uh, a decent i guess no i guess no plan is better than just sitting around watching everyone die while your son flies around with everyone's genetic code inside of their uh, inside of his system but hey slightly better i mean superman's not one for having good dads apparently no he has perfectly good dads he had one that risked everything to send him to give him even a chance at survival which was better than I mean he had zero chance if he had point one by the time Jarrell was done he did a good job uh-huh. I, that's all he could do I mean it's you just you, it was fire and forget and hope that's it. And then he gets According to, to Jonathan Kent, yes. who would have been well, well within his rights. As soon as he figured out what, what little little cart could do, would have been well within his rights to scream for two weeks at the top mm. of his lungs. And when he finally went so hoarse that the screams died down, call the nearest government agency and pray they knew what they were doing. Right. Could have done that. I wouldn't have blamed him. Hey, I'm, I'm not I saying mean. he didn't do the right thing initially, but based on Diane Lane's version of Martha Kent, I'm going to go ahead and guess that was her call to not call the government agency because she... He seems to be the one that actually has a modicum of common sense when it comes to those two. He's just over here working on the, on a car and looking angrily because he's scared that somebody's going to come for Clark and do what to him. But there I mean, there are plenty of precautions to take. I understand. Like, he's never tried it. He's never taken his son out back and fired a bullet at him just to make sure. He ha- he heavily right. suspects that his son could take a bullet, but he sure as hell isn't going to go try it. You don't know what he can do. But in, in relation to the tornado, do. we have this catalog of knowledge about what superman's abilities are jonathan kent doesn't flying blind jonathan kent for okay uh, a tornado pops up right and Mm -hmm. jonathan kent tells clark get your mom to the overpass get all those people Mm -hmm. to the overpass clark could have clearly run and gotten that little girl or while jonathan was grabbing the little girl Clark could have made it to the car, got the dog out. Even if something happened, got his foot caught. Guess what? He's not going to get his foot caught. He's not going to be hobbled by it. This is yet another instance of Clark probably should have been doing something. And by the way, no one would have jumped to, oh, he's an alien. It's pretty clear. He, I mean, he, he could have easily gotten that dog out and no one would have thought, oh, well, clearly he's an alien. He saved a dog from a car. That means that he's not of this world. No, he couldn't have made that run. The only reason Jonathan Kent was so far, was that's a, that's a, it's a good few hundred yards between the car a good couple hundred yards at least between the car where kent gets caught and stays and eventually gets taken away from and the underpass overpass I, uh, i'd be willing to, to get your mom to the overpass right and then he runs and grabs that girl from kent actually he doesn't he runs and he's about to go get the dog and jonathan says no take the girl i'll go get the i'll go get the dog the dog was able to make it from the car to the overpass before the tornado swept through the dog survived clark would not have been the only thing that kept jonathan from getting back and not being the only thing that made it to where he couldn't get back in time was that 
that freaking car fell on top of the other car or whatever it was and hobbled his yeah, freaking leg. But he yeah, only had to and travel that distance once. Clark would have had to travel it back, forward, and back. And two things would have happened. Either one, he would have had to go, he would have had to go so fast that he would have shown himself. Apparently, Jonathan was willing to die before he let that happen. I don't agree with I, that philosophy. I really don't. But at least I can make an argument for it staying true to itself. He he would have rather died than risk <clears> the fact that it, Clark's adrenaline would have gotten up and he would have gone faster than he, than he just reasonably should be able to go. He would rather do that. The other alternative is that Clark doesn't go... It actually does, you know, keep his normal human speed, gets down there, and doesn't die in the middle of a tornado. Um, you know what? I would have been a Jonathan, lot better if with Jonathan, the whole scene. You, you haven't tested this. You don't, you're don't. you not sure your son can make it through that tornado. Again, he does not have the catalog of, of abilities that we have. He doesn't know. Mm. He's never put his son in a fucking tornado to see if he'd survive. Who would do that? And I doubt that it's just happened randomly. So he, as you know, far what? as he knows, he would rather not risk... He knows his son's special, but he doesn't know he's that damn special. And he'd rather not risk his son's life by getting him to come. He wants his son to take his mom and get under that underpass. Overpass. Period. Now, uh, what uh, what would have made the scene work more for me was if Jonathan actually survived it. If maybe Clark had just kind of sunk into the crowd and doubled back around at super speed, saved his dad without anyone seeing, because it was a long way off, you, as you stated. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure Clark was pretty much the only one who could really see his dad well. Right. If Clark no, had see the, saved... You know, micro if Clark had fear. saved his dad from from the tornado, pull him over into a field or whatever, thinking he did the right thing, Jonathan has a heart attack. <laughs> and that would have made it for I, that, me because one of no, the important actually, things about that Jonathan... sounds terrible. I don't know why that sounds terrible, but it would have played. It could have worked. And now here's the thing, though. It would have brought in Just, that integral Superman feature for all my powers. I still couldn't save him. It's an important right. lesson for Clark. You cannot save everyone. And that was a lesson we were sorely lacking in this movie. No, it I would don't have think put we a really do twist. Because he needed to understand how fragile human life was. And it's not like he's going to learn it by cutting his hand someday. That's, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he has a basic idea of how fragile human life is. But And I've said this from the beginning. Because it, it, originally it was argued that it was really fucking stupid for Jonathan to go back for a dog. Well, no the hell it's not. Uh, yeah. I don't want to live on an earth where Superman wouldn't go back for a dog. I don't want to live on an earth where that, the concept that every every part of your family, even that little dog you bought at the shelter, is mm-hmm. worth protecting. That's, well, at this point, you're talking about the a husband and father. I, I still, though, I believe that, Kent, I believe Jonathan had to die. That part, I, I believe, goes unchallenged, right? I mean... He has to die. Now, what you I've seen so versions of it, it where he it doesn't. Didn't, it, it didn't specifically give the message that you can't save everyone. And then right. later, Jarl specifically says you can save them all. Yes, um, that's horseshit. <laughs> it is horseshit. It is you can't horseshit. save them all. In trying to save them all, you're going to destroy half of a city. Merry Christmas, Clark. <laughs> right. It was a bad call. I'm none of these people had a great idea for what they were doing. You were dealing with you were dealing with an entirely new an entirely new form of being. There's uh-huh. there, there, again, there's no playbook, man. There's no script. You, you you don't even have a treatment. You've just got the basic idea that th- this kid is really really super strong and doesn't seem to be hurt by anything. So yeah, by the by the way, the uh, you, the Jor-El exactly hologram, testing it. the completely interactive. Yeah, Digidad, the completely interactive and apparently mind-reading 
Jarrell hologram kind of completely undercuts Jarrell's death and also makes him look like a dick because I mean I guess with limited resources Laura couldn't have a, a hologram too that's pretty um, much the limited resources thing I'm willing to assume a limited resources argument for most of that yeah I, I'm not buying that it was his consciousness I mean it's I'm, a tiny I, little flash drive like surely you can't fit two entire consciences on it <laughs> I can <laughs> All right, so Clark is is out wandering, and one day as he's working in a bar, mm-hmm. I'm I'm assuming he knew that. I'm hoping that he knew that military personnel frequented that bar because he overhears mm-hmm. two military people talking about the the anomaly that that's up north. Otherwise, that is really convenient that he would just happen to be working in a bar that two military guys who would be able to find an ancient colony. Kryptonian ship. No, they don't. They don't get specific about it. But I. No, they don't. But they do. They do. I mean, they kind of point you in that direction, and then they don't. They don't show too much of it. But they did. They pointed you in that direction where they. He gives Clark the little. The little uh, flash drive. I don't know what else to call that. So that's just what it's going to be. Yeah, but he gives him the little Who flash gets- drive, and 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 says you need to go find out why you're here. Well, right. It's some. It looks like some twenty years have passed at that point. I uh-huh. firmly believe that he has spent every single waking moment trying to find leads, and that yeah, we we just we were there for one night when yes, he got a job as a busser in that mm-hmm. stupid bar because he knew that mm-hmm. people were going to be there because they're out in the cold, and he knew that's an outpost that people choose sometimes, and people talk a little freely in a bar. I I, I believe he was doing honest to god detective work, detective work at this point. All right, all right. Now I I, I would have liked. It is possible and somewhat he's had 25 feasible. years to it, probably 25 now 20 anyway he's had a good 20 years to i doubt do he was out this isn't bruce wayne we're talking about he's not even that's no stretching that's why it took him 20 Gotham. years bruce would have figured this out in two <laughs> no this is how the hell did he get 15 a job minutes with a back computer how the hell did he get a job working with a very secretive company out in the middle of nowhere on a high-risk government top secret outpost like he he's the one clark is the one that gets lois's bags from from like the helicopter when she shows up he is and he seems Um, like he's been there for a while so putting aside the fact that we don't know how the hell he got that job why did he wait until the reporter was snooping around to go and look for that to go burrow a big hole with his heat vision into the ice so he could find that ship (laughs) he didn't wait for a reporter to be sneaking around he there's there's no time frame mind you between him being a a bus boy and by the way and i can't think of a way to train humility into somebody that's going to have to be superman greater than being a bus boy at a truck stop Mm -hmm. i have bus tables it is not a fun experience it's one of the least rewarding jobs i've ever actually experienced i've done it too Um, and yeah i I don't disagree with any of that because you're 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 job's never done people are always finished well anyway, you know um, clark needs to bus tables because he didn't jonathan didn't instill any of that in in him <laughs> no i saw it as like him him uh him trying to balance the the weights of of the litter he will be creating later uh-huh yeah. Him, him doing a little cleaning makes sense. All right, so look, if this is but if you're saying no that he can he 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 overhears those guys and he thinks, okay, cool, time to quit this job. I assume he just didn't bother even calling into work the next day and split and immediately went to that outpost and started applying for jobs. Found some weaknesses. Mm-hmm. He's probably and think about it, he's Superman. He can sit around. Say he goes to the outpost. He can sit a couple miles from the outpost and sit there and listen to everything they're saying until they until he hears someone talk about staffing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And what kind of needs they'd have for staffing and who they'd like to see. And he can fill that sheet of paper out exactly the way he wanted. Sure, sure. I'm okay. That 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 could make sense. 
again, I just I hate how much you know, headcanon we have to create. I know, I know. There's a lot of headcanon, but they weren't. It, we only had it's two hours and twenty minutes with a good mm-hmm. two hours and twenty three minutes, I think, with a good thirteen minutes worth of credits on either end. So you've got like two hours and ten to tell me the story of Superman. All right. So are you saying that, that was his first day of work then? proper no i'm saying he probably had been there for a while that there wasn't so you, they, there wasn't they didn't make it look like he went from being a bus boy to being at that job like next week but he did have a yeah, little job he hadn't been there long he had they had him they had him taking bags off a plane i'm saying i'm saying though if he had been okay if, if that was his first day and he just happens to be starting his first day with lois showing up that's a rather big coincidence but if like you surmise and I'm going to assume this. He had been there for a while. At least um, a, a minute. I'll say a month. Yeah. Why I'm, the hell I'll, did I'll he choose month. the day that a reporter was snooping around to go looking for the damn ship? He didn't choose that day. He's been, instead of sleeping at night, he's been getting up every night and going out there and eye tunneling. <laughs> that's, that's what he's been doing every night. Okay. Or at the very worst, he's been hanging around, again, doing his little I-can-hear-everything bit until he finally heard something. Now, it is a giant coincidence that Lois shows up at this time. I can't do anything about that. Um, He couldn't hold off. He's waited 20-something years. He can't hold off until she's gone. No! He's waited 20-something years. I'm not holding off, but ah. holding off because some snooty reporters back there. He's he's willing to he's willing to bet that he can out uh, out skulk a military outpost. He's not worried mm-hmm. about some reporter. He, Which, he's I mean, off it, in the it does of the fit in and tunneling through stuff they're doing research on. He's he's it she, does. She's she it, has come armed with red hair and a Nikon. She's not going to phase him. Yeah, now that it does um it does fit in with the Superman character to not think things through. It does. It does. It I don't really like the versions does. where he's super intelligent. I, I don't. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. I like the versions where he's exactly moderately intelligent. Like he's as, as you know, as smart as the average kind of smart guy, but yeah. not See, I, I don't like the idea to be that able to do complex differential equations in his head. That's not what Superman I consider is. I consider it one of the few, very few flaws in the character, but every character needs flaws to make them interesting. And at this point, mm-hmm. Superman's pretty boring on his own. We don't need to be taking away flaws. <laughs> so I like the idea that he just sort of relies so much on his powers that he's kind of a dipshit and wouldn't consider, well, yeah. hey, maybe not now is not the best time to go looking for this damn ship since there's a chick running around with an icon. This is something that Batman points out to him every now and then in the books is uh, he... Uh, <laughs> Clark, he, you're a dipshit. Batman <laughs> constantly berates him for the way he... yeah. The way he, um, when he gets into a fight, he takes a bunch of punches up front, and it's really just to show off. Like, that's what Batman's called him out on that before, is that you don't have, you know, you could beat that guy before he threw a punch. You just take the hits because you know you can, and you're showing off. And, you know, mm-hmm. I would too. <laughs> I would totally do Yeah, that. <laughs> of course. Of course, it's also it's also a, a pretty keen intimidation tactic. Not that he really oh, needs yeah, to the, have one of those. It's the but. Homer Simpson method of winning a fight. Just let him exhaust himself and then poke a finger at him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how exactly like it was pretty it was the execution of the scene wasn't very good where Lois is taking the picture and sees Clark walking and, and she goes, where the hell are you going? And then. She finds magically exactly where the hell he was going. And she actually has to like step on a ledge where it would be far too dangerous for anyone to think, oh, well, this will be, this will be okay. She has to like (laughs) balance on a rock and then like get into a hole, that whole thing. I was just like, why? What? She's feisty, that one. Why would she assume he went there? Where she was standing, you couldn't tell that he was walking off the side of a cliff. 
I looked at that scene over and over again, and I couldn't tell anything. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I Nikon. It, it, that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> the uh, the cleanest cut. There's probably some oh. cutting room floor that makes it make a little more sense somewhere. Yeah. So I was happy to to realize that the, to see that Jarrell tells uh, Kal-El that the the house of L means hope. So I, I I did not remember that part. I just remember him saying, "On our world, it means hope." And I'm like, "Bullshit! It's the house of L." Right. So um, at least they kind of cram both that makes into it the workable for me. And that ended, that was a that was a cool thing. I I I could stand I could stand for that to be canon because it's yeah. I, you know and and there are going to be people who think, "Well, bullshit! It's just an S. How could it possibly, dude?" It's a it's a tiny scribble. In the world of language, tiny scribbles get used all the time for all kinds of different languages. It is not unprecedented nor impossible by any stretch that um you would have duplicate figures for different languages, even exolinguistics. Mm-hmm. Works for um, I mean, it was cool. I mean, come on, it's Superman. He's always a symbol of hope. And let's just go ahead and work that right into the name or right into the crest. Okay, good. Good tweet. Good tweet, guys. <laughs> One of the interesting things, though, is... um Okay, first of all... Here's, here's one of my favorite quotes from the movie. Mm-hmm. Comets don't make course corrections. <laughs> I just wrote that down. I enjoyed it. It's a it's a pretty succinct way of, of uh, yeah, it was good. One, one thing that was interesting, though, was that popping back over to Pa Kent, when, the, when those bullies were picking on him and they run away or whatever, and Pa tells him, you know, what, whatever you decide, whoever you decide to be, good or bad, he's going to change the world. Pa Kent in this movie goes from being a complete coward to being incredibly, like, I mean, it's not even uplifting, the shit that he says. The shit that he says to Clark is not uplifting. It's very, like, you are going to change the world. Every You're going to change everyone's minds about everything and blah, 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 blah. He's put a lot of burden on this kid, and maybe it, it could be argued that that with that level of power, you need to burden a child with that. I to make I sure that he, he understands. He's not even saying that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean that I would argue but at the same that all time because he's not even going to tell him that you are going to have to go through a lot of effort. He's not telling him you're going to have to do eight years at Harvard, another couple at Oxford to get your degree, so that you can come back, work hard for thirty-five years, and eventually maybe be the president. No. Mm-hmm. His simple existence, the moment it's known, he he has to put the level of effort in, not not even the level that Paris Hilton used to have to put in to be famous. It, he's just going to do it. It's just going to happen naturally. He could sit there, and like he could he could change the world by sitting on his ass and watching cartoons all day. Yeah. So it, it's I, I I would prefer that if someone if we ever ended up in this situation and some guy in Kansas was wondering what to do with himself in this this bizarre set of circumstances, I hope to God he he impresses on that child the gravity of what he's he's going to become. Right, right. The only thing about Paul though is that he doesn't want to be alive whenever that day happens. That's the tornado scene right there. He's realizing Clark wants to do something with his life other than farm, and he's going, "Okay, I can't stave it off anymore. This kid's like twenty. I can't do it." Anymore anymore oh wait a tornado cool i'm out <laughs> i don't want to see this yeah. shit that's why i think paul is a, is a coward I, it, that's the way it feels he's like no don't tell him clark it, it he's not saying don't out yourself he's saying please let me go that's why he puts that hand up <laughs> he's saying please let me go i don't want to be here when you do what you gotta do in 20 years this is <laughs> <laughs> he's 
This is a small he town hasn't farm eaten a full guy. Meal since the lunch he had the day that he fell from the sky. This is the old Baptist guy who says, "Okay, son, if you've got to come out, come out. Just please don't do it while I'm alive." I, I don't think it's that bad. I do. I mean, but, and this is the thing, when we've talked about the, the deliberation and that decision, and whether it was a decision, I, I still, I think two things were true. Mm-hmm. In the moment, he told his son to get away, because he, even he, he couldn't have known that he could survive a tornado. I know we're talking about Superman, but he's talking about Clark. Uh-huh. And he's not going to test that theory with a live, real fucking tornado. I sure as hell wouldn't do it to my <laughs> son. So, right. you, tell, you tell your son to take his mom and get under the overpass. Okay. Mm-hmm. In that moment, that was the right decision. You realize there's a dog. I'm not leaving the dog. I'm the kind of idiot that would actually possibly die trying to save my dog from a car. It, it would By the be way, that kind I w- of instinct. I do want to point out, Jonathan's first instinct was not to go back for the dog. Jonathan went back to save a little girl. And as he's coming back with a little girl, oh, it, was Martha, the it was Martha who's like, the dog. And he's like, you know, if I don't go back for that dog, I'm not going to want to live anyway. I will never hear the end of not going back for that dog. <laughs> I mean... I actually have a problem with Martha in that scene because there's a moment where she could have gotten that dog. Yeah. You watch it. You watch at the beginning of it. And as soon as everybody's getting out of that car, she could have grabbed that dog. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That part bothers um, me. Martha failed it. Yeah. That's a Martha. Martha fail. has failed this movie. She has. <laughs> Martha Kent. I, you have failed this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still I still believe, though, that like if, if Jonathan had any kind of deliberate long-term plan for what he was doing, mm-hmm. it was that, A, I want my son to be the kind of person who would go back and risk his life for a dog. Right. Which, which stands true to me, because I fucking want Superman to be the kind of Boy Scout that would go back for a damn dog. That's, that's maybe the it man was, I love. Maybe it was a callback to all those cats and trees he, he saved in those right. other movies. <laughs> the um. old midget. <laughs> He's just running around... Running around dealing with muggers and cats and trees. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, I, okay. I, I firmly believe that he's that he's he want he would like him if if it is deliberate at all that he would like to make sure that he's the mm-hmm. person the kind of person who knows that that sacrifice is still worth it and that two mm-hmm. if he did let himself die which is what he does at the very end I mean he 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 tells him no but yeah. by the point but I mean at that point he would have had to travel at super speed to get him and to get him back so by he would have been point. outing himself but. I'm also sure that I, I don't know I've I like I don't mind the the idea that Clark does I mean that Jonathan does deliberately decide to let himself go and yeah it's a cop out and I don't like there are hardly any versions of suicide that I like I mean it, mm-hmm. it's just it's it's a hard thing to defend often but this is one of those cases where yeah he did teach his son that you can't save everybody whether he wanted to or not he did teach him that but it was under it was under false pretenses. He could have saved Jonathan. He could have. He may have outed himself, but he could have. He could have. But the same way he said maybe about that bus of kids that maybe he should have just let them go. Jonathan was so worried about the raping and looting that we were alluding to. Not, by the way, being that in the never film, happened. That never apparently happened. But he was so worried about it that he was willing to risk a bus full of kids. And he was willing to risk his own life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I, it's a sentence you shudder to say, but in the scheme of things... A whole country turning on itself in mortal terror versus a bus full of kids. You know, the math says go with the bus full of kids. Right. Um, But again. All right. So let's go over to the the invasion of Smallville. Crack me up, man. Crack me the hell right up. Superman telling people (laughs) in Smallville, get inside. It's not safe. A couple seconds later, you realize it's not safe inside either. 
it's not safe inside either. Yeah, we're throwing Superman attack at each other. Superman attack cars being used as bludgeons through a grain silo, straight through a cornfield into a Seven Eleven. Plows Feora through an IHOP. <laughs> there are people actually cowering, cowering <laughs> at the table. Pete Ross yeah. is too stupid to. He's just standing there going, Clark. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now, <laughs> hopefully his glasses a, got knocked off because I don't want that to be a, a. I didn't. I didn't think to look, but I don't want that to be a thread that hasn't been pulled. That oh no 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 oh, no no his glass. He knows yeah, who Clark is. I think he does. He 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 gave him a look. He knew. Um, he gave him a look, but at the same time, we're in we're inferring things. <clears throat> you, I would give anyone who flew into my fucking establishment breaking down an entire wall and no that anything deserves a look like that. Oh, um, the flash finale. There was a bit in there that we both, uh, we didn't actually discuss it on the show, but there was a bit in there where uh, someone said uh, uh, something about a singularity, that we can create a singularity. And they're like, what's a singularity? A black hole? Yeah. They had almost that exact dialogue in this movie where the uh, <laughs> the scientist in the, in the, in the uh, I can't remember what he was, uh, the general and the scientist and the other like jackass military guy are talking to Superman and Lois. And they're talking about the how he can use the phantom drive to to send the everyone back into the phantom zone and they say a singularity can be created and <laughs> he's like like a black hole yes that is I, I, it cracked me up oh god <laughs> i didn't even realize it you know what bothers me is and the thing is there are two things about that, that bother me first of all it's it's 2015 we should all be familiar with these terms second of all they're not the damn same they're those are not interchangeable <laughs> terms yeah <sighs> It's not like saying, oh, he's filled with H2O. Oh, H2O? You mean water? Yes. No. That's like saying, oh, his stomach is filled with cats. Oh, you mean dogs? Right. Yeah. I've got a question for you. You're more of a computer guy than I am. I can't get... It's rare that I can get a new piece of hardware to interact with three-year-old technology on my computer. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that General Zod in a newly de- Jorel designed spaceship would be able to get his uh, a centuries-old world engine that they found on some obscure colony to interact with his with his warship, I guess. And that that same technology would still be workable in as much <laughs> as that they are now slave to the world engine <laughs> and terraforming I- <clears throat> Earth. Sub-question, what is the likelihood that General Zod or any damn body for that matter, would be able to operate a piece of machinery that's been stuck un- in a slab of ice for 18,000 years and that Zod would know how to work it, much less fly it around shooting at shit. All right, I'll do this. The, the problem of backwards compatibility is uh, every now and then a technical issue, but I believe is at least as often a simple matter of someone not including something so you would have to go buy new things. Mm-hmm. That's that's not a, a conspiracy theory. That's just that's just that's how commerce works. If <laughs> like, there's a reason, I mean there there are a lot of reasons, but there is at least one good reason that you never see cheap, indestructible objects that will always do the thing you purchase them to do. Mm-hmm. Things have to break, so the companies stay on board. I mean, you know, sure. Um, now I'd be willing. So to you're say, saying because be this wasn't a... a couple things. Just let me let me let me pitch it as okay. this. Go for it. Backwards for compatibility it. isn't necessarily something that couldn't be universal. It's a lot of negatives. Roll with me. I'm rolling. Especially in a Kryptonian kind of atmosphere like this, where people are prescribed their personalities and, and work lifestyles, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. It would be well within reason that these people have 
have also gotten to the point with technology that they're intentionally making sure that things fit fit backwards like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't be impossible, and I don't think that. I mean, I don't get the sense that capitalism isn't necessarily there. So it's not like there's competing companies. And if if they had iTunes or if they had iPhones and Samsungs, I, I don't think they would have mismatched chargers in Krypton. On top of that, I mean. Hell, the, all of those ships appear to have been designed by Zod's best friend, if he had one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's entirely possible that Zod did just pick up on some some engineering stuff from his friend. And I believe it was part of the general curriculum for probably for probably their, their species in general. So, yeah, it's it's not impossible that the all of the pieces would actually fit together because there weren't competing companies to keep them from doing so. It's not impossible that Zod would know how to fly all this stuff because it would be relatively simple or relatively similar to other versions of things that he'd flown that Jarrell designed. I just, um, yeah, I just kind of assumed that the World Council or whatever you would call them were actually, they'd just grown so stagnant that they just, they, they reached a, a certain pinnacle and thought, I need nothing else. Right. We need nothing else. Let's just keep our, all of our technology exactly the same. We'll just build it like this every time. We'll just build it just like this. We'll <laughs> like keep Jarrell's one creating on things just in case, but Jarrell's designing shit and they're like, don't get too crazy, Jarrell. <laughs> we we That's like actually our what interfaces they do to on several occasions. You go back and look at a, a lot of these stories, and and a lot of the stories that actually focus on Jarrell, and that is exactly what the fuck they do to him. He'll come out and he'll yeah. design something that could save this or that or whatever. But if he, it it'll be that simple. Like if he'll come out with a a device that would stop, uh, you know, a certain crop from dying or whatever the hell it is, but it would replace a certain amount of jobs with that, that machine or process or whatever it is he's designed. And the council will tell him, no, those people have jobs. That's what they were born for. That's how our economy goes. It's a great invention. Good job. Go back to your hole. Yeah. They do that shit. No, you know, they did, they did mention, um, they did mention briefly, like Zod mentions because the, the little, (laughs) Jorel hologram is talking to him and saying, you know, we could coexist with these people. You don't have to release the world engine and all that shit. And Zod goes, mm-hmm. well, and what? Where our people would suffer for years with his lisp. Or the people would suffer for years and blah, blah, blah. But they would be gods, Zod. They would be gods. And you could. They'll be all right. Ba- uh, <laughs> I mean, no. They'll be okay. Yeah, and uh, I just I don't really buy Zod. No, I don't think his, I don't think like, he had really thought through this whole cohabitation plan no, very well. He Again, really had military dude. His plan is take it over. And I by know. the way, um, I do want to speak on the record on this because we've been very hard on lisps. Yeah. I didn't mind his one bit. I didn't care. I actually I I I thought I would because I especially but since the time that I've seen uh since the time that I've seen Man of Steel in you know 2013 for to from them to now I've just I've watched a lot of Arrow dude and I thought mm-hmm. I would be even it would be even harder for me to sit through it no I liked his voice I don't know why I don't care to defend it I won't even try but I did like it <laughs> I you know I was honestly and I I hate I don't want to put anything on Michael Shannon I think that was his name that is undo here. Um, he did a he did a really good job. He really did. Um, oh man, that one scene uh, right before they kind of go into that you know their their last battle when it just mm-hmm. gets all hand to hand. Yeah, he completely sells me on. Like I felt bad for him for a second because that is exact. He was designed to keep his race, and that dude took all of it from him. He took everything he's ever been purposed yeah. for. No, he I did felt it bad for him for a second, and then I wanted yeah. Superman to hit him in the face. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, um, that was a fine speech. That was it was a good speech. It did bother me that they they kept they kept they kept doing things like this where they like they have Zod completely like Superman uses it against him at first by ripping his helmet off. He's exposed to the atmosphere. He's disoriented. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot to take in, but. Zod has been trained to to utilize his senses, which is not, fair. not his common not his common senses, as we've already pointed out. He said his senses, but... not his brain. <laughs> he didn't say I was trained in in world engineering, and I was trained in diplomacy and mm-hmm. and how to assess yeah. another species when trying to take over there. No, he didn't even read Hitchhiker's I... Guide to the Galaxy on the way over. For God's sake, man! I want a I want a slight retcon of this movie. I want them to go back and shoot another scene. Just, a, just an addition where at the very beginning when he cocks his head at Jarrell and says, don't do this, L. I want him to follow that up with me not think he's so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the one good, like the one, I don't know, the, the most solid idea I suppose Zod has the entire movie. The most defensible single thought he has when he tells Jarrell, then join me. He's absolutely right. That man is going to need a cabinet, and he better have yeah. Jarrell on it. Yeah, he's not. He's not wrong there. I think Jarrell no. is in the wrong because he, he could have gone along with it, he and even, then eventually by even convinced asking him that he knows that he's just not not quite well, really smart enough to to yeah. smart this whole thing out with his brains. All right, so Zod gets a hold of of Cal's ancient ancestor ship, and mm-hmm. um, and Superman flies in and decides to save the city by blasting the ship and destroying the genesis chamber Mm -hmm. and of course subsequently the ship goes down and destroys the city Mm -hmm. that that just bothered me (laughs) well everything about that was that was one of those uh one of those points we both agreed on no matter no matter how at odds we got on on any given point in this film we have always agreed that people died had to have lots of them and that just a giant wtnf by the way i I did say that i would get to jenny olsen but i don't think i will because i can't be bothered that i that's exactly my i don't know that was exactly where i felt about it anyway she and morpheus and baldy like i could have done i i didn't need any of that i i don't even know why it was in the movie (laughs) it made the movie at least five six seven minutes longer didn't need any of that I know. Although, it, I except have to that give him I, this. I have to question Morpheus, Dude. Perry White, when he says, "Okay, we're leaving the building now." Oh wait, what? Really? When the world engine is destroying everything around you and has been for like two hours, and now you're deciding, okay? Oh, now you want to be on foot? Okay, yeah. No, I'll give him this though. I'll give him this. Fishburn. Yeah. I didn't care about anything in this film. I could have gone without Perry White enti- entirely. That entire Daily Planet staff. Yeah. I, whatever, man. Yeah. But that man looked steely when he was looking at that woman's eyes. He's sitting there looking yeah. at look, looking at the girl and just... It, 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 one of the biggest problems with this movie is that they didn't give him enough That's to all do. There is to it. But he, they the didn't give him enough to do. Her, there's some combination of, of sorrow that, that they're going to go and confidence that, that they're going out the right way, I guess. And, and just... Mm-hmm. It's, it's some weird combination of this is never going to be okay and this is all going to be okay. And he did it with, with one steely gaze. Bless him. Bless him, dude. I mean, I think I've given that same look to uh, Philly cheesesteaks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is ever going to be okay again, but it's all going to be okay. Right, right. <laughs> the cheesesteak quivers. 
it's um, the same look, by the way, that if for anyone, and I will, I will aside this again, for anyone who did not take our d- advice and go immediately watch Gods and Monsters, it's the same look Superman gives that Brainiac kid. Oh, oh, you had to bring that in, didn't you? I did. I just, I've, I've, you it's bastard. been, it's been on my heart since I viewed it. <laughs> just damn, what a scene! I know. <sighs> Alan Burnett, the unspoken hero of my life. Now, one of the great tragedies of this of this film, uh, I mean, there was a lot of destruction and everything, but I'm not talking about that. But the Kevin Costner VVS, which is something that we were both yeah. comforted by. Yeah, I mean, it now, was enough destruction to bring Batman out. Now I'm in favor of it. We're talking about Lawrence Fishburne. He was underused, underutilized. They could have found something for him to do other than what he did. I and know, I feel like the same is largely true of kevin costner we have a scene at the end where where martha kent uh, tells clark about pa kent he always knew you'd do great things and when the when that day came your shoulders would be would have to be able to bear the weight he saw it she tells him that my god i wish i'd heard kevin costner say that oh i i, I agree i completely agree because the you way just, costner the way that they portray kent, face just just explaining that to that child would have been just mwah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a fine thing to have Diane Lane do it. She's awesome. And she did a hell of a job here. Kevin Costner, though, I mean, I really with the back and forth they had on Pa Kent, maybe I wouldn't have felt so vitriolic about Pa Kent if we had actually had him just out and out say that because everything that he says just kind of shows and does shows him to be kind of cowardly. So I, I would have liked to have ha- just seen that scene with him instead of Martha. All right, um overall I I do like the movie, but it there's some real problem points for me. I have a, a really hard time justifying a lot of these characters actions. Superman himself, I had no real qualm with. Uh, I really enjoy the scene where he's learning to fly. I I I think he somehow That was fun. Somehow found a way to become the man that he was supposed to be, even if he was kind of. Oh, that little Russell Crowe dialogue while he's doing the while he's trying to figure out flying. The you know, yeah, they'll try to follow but, you. They'll stumble. By the way, but eventually they why? will find you in the sun. That choked me up when I was listening to that dialogue the first time. I was sitting in the theater thinking, "That's so yeah. beautiful. That's so beautiful." And same thing. Russell Crowe kept getting to me. He's the one that kept getting to me because as, as soon as he tells, uh, you know. He points and says, you know, look down there. And it's it, and Superman looks back down. Lois, you can save her. You can save them all. I, I did. I, I just, I, I had a little choke moment where I went, that's, that's the Superman I love. The one well, that see, I was all. sitting here going, you're a liar. He can't save them all. Don't tell him that. Apparently I he's stupid enough to believe I it. I agree, but it's Batman's job to tell him what he can't do. It's his dad's, <laughs> and I say plural job, to tell him that he can do everything. Because the guy I love is the one who tries anyway. And only Batman can sit there and tell him, Clark, no. Well, see, Jonathan kept telling him, you can do everything, but you shouldn't. Right. <laughs> Which was Jarell a told him, you can do everything and you will. You need to have Batman there to go, shit and me. You ain't doing shit, buddy. I'm going to take your ass down. <laughs> you will do exactly your what ass I'll bleed? you to do on my planet. <laughs> Does your ass bleed? Because it will. Because it will. <laughs> Tell me, do you not bleed? It's, it's you know. Yeah. Look, I, this isn't as bad as Superman 4, Superman 3. I mean, there is some real heart and color. And there's a there's a kernel of the character that I miss 
from the the original Christopher Reeve movie. I, I'm not gonna lie, Z- uh, snapping Zod's neck See? could have been easily fixed with. Um, well, he did kill Zod in Superman too. He, I yeah. believe, killed Superman him in the comics. Kills. And um, the way he killed in this movie, I, I, you know, after watching it again, I he does he shows a a due amount of distress about about having to kill and about having had killed. I'm assuming he um, didn't think about gouging Zod's eyes out or he no Zod explains to him that he will never stop. If he had gouged his eyes out, Zod would have gotten up, walked towards the family that he was trying to slice in half and and tried again. He he that dog needed to be put down. There was no other way. He yeah. was rabid. And, I mean, one could say once the phantom drive was activated. By the way, that killed or e- that either killed or stranded Emil Hamilton of Star Labs. Not in the movie of Star Labs, but in the comics he was of Star Labs. Pretty integral little side character in the Superman mythos in the Phantom Zone. Because he was on that plane when they slammed into the spaceship and got sucked into the Phantom Zone. So I'm assuming he's either dead or trapped in the, in the Phantom Zone. No one know. cared. Is, it's not a big that, deal, Wait, it, I guess. I didn't catch the name anywhere. Is that Maroney's character? Or Maloney's character? Maroney? Christopher Who? Maloney? Uh, this is the little bald guy with the beard and the glasses. Oh, gotcha. All right. Emil Hamilton was it was his name in the movie, and that's an actual character from the Superman comics and the cartoons. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he's the guy that designs all these like cool spacesuits and whatnot, different things for Superman, like the lead line suit and everything. So that's a character that that name entirely. That's a that's a character that could have given us so much exposition and just been kind of fun. He was fun here, but they they did away with him for some reason. By the way, did it bother yeah. you that Lois fell out of that plane and we're see we're watching shit flying up into that black hole and she's the only thing falling? And she didn't fall. She was projected from the plane. All I saw was Lois falling. Like, you can watch her going down while whole cars and pieces of buildings and shit are going up, flying up into the black hole. And then Superman grabs her and then has to fly with all of his might not to get sucked into the black hole with her. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not going to go too deeply into it because the science won't hold out but i will give you the piece of science that will is an object in motion has inertia her having her falling her terminal velocity towards the planet is probably not greater than the weight of a car at rest um look the force <laughs> diagram is not going to work but hey she was falling and the, the the cars were sitting still let's let's stop it right it was there just one of those it was just sense. one of those things that made me cock my head mass go. doesn't exist what? I mean, right. I don't know much about physics, but what? But that car's pretty heavy. <laughs> Look, this isn't downright Schfelt. This isn't. This is a, a a sloppily put together film in places with some lazy writing. Uh, but it was an enjoyable film. I don't think it was lazy yeah. writing. I think there were some bad choices that were made that could have clarified some things. I didn't think the choices they made were necessarily bad. They just left out things. They tried to take on this giant story and pin it into two and a half. And if they'd had four hours and even three, if they'd had three hours, they could have taken care of every problem we've raised. Probably. For all I, I mean, know, it's going to be I like Daredevil. And there is like a director's cut somewhere that we go, oh, oh, man, why do you know most let him of it, do what I he think, wanted to do? You know? Yeah. I think most of it could have been fixed with um, less than 10 minutes of dialogue. Most of it. Just a little, little line here, this a little line there. by no means, and I've never said I hated the film. No, you've never hated it. You were just a lot more down on it than I was. Right. So, uh, 
it's a fine start to a cinematic universe. I, I really hope there's there's some more humor, some more lightheartedness in, in the future. Kind of guessing that's going to be in Suicide Squad because I don't really see much for that in Batman vs. Superman. No, um, if you give me... If you give me two hours of Suicide Squad with no jokes, I will walk out of that film. I will walk out around the hour mark. Right. And I'm not saying I'm wanting classic world's finest with like Batman and Superman playing softball and that's how they're that's how they're fighting or something like Batman versus right. Superman on the baseball diamond. I'm not looking right. at that. I don't want to I don't, I don't need that. a pickup basketball game. But <laughs> but um it's something and we're gonna get into uh I think it's next week we're getting into DCAU. We're 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 trying to point out uh, first of all, how how well the DCA universe has uh, has handled this material, and second, because mm-hmm. there's nothing coming out, and if you don't, if if any listeners haven't caught up on it, it's a damn fine thing to do. Go actually, go, go yeah. Next week, you're right. But anyway, the, do that. the The point is, um, a couple of lines, like I believe it's uh, Batman, Superman, Public Enemies. I want to say, what's the line? Uh, well, I, I think it's Superman saying, "Well, at least they were bad villains." What is, how, you know? You remember this line? What is it? Oh, um, yeah, the Superman and Batman. Well, they've they've both been wounded mm-hmm. <laughs> by kryptonite and an explosion, uh, respectively. Respectively, and. Uh, they're they're both they're just they're in the sewers carrying each other. It's really it's it's, it's really amazing. They're both carrying each scene. other back to the Batcave, both sort of just leaning on each other, both mm-hmm. hurt, and um, they're just kind of talking like old friends would. And and Batman's of course being stoic, and Superman just kind of looks over and goes, "Whatever happened to Magpie?" And Batman goes, "The the, the villain." He's like. Yeah. And he's like, she died. And Superman says, why can't the good villains die? <laughs> and Batman goes, Clark, what the hell is a good villain? Right. <laughs> that kind of back and forth. I, I'd i love it. I would. I, I would really love it. Um, And, you know, I, I hate to I hate to run a piece of dialogue or, or try to recap a, a line for line for anybody. But please, please take our poor remembrance and Dave's better remembrance of the uh, the scene. <laughs> And, and use it as an instigation to go back and watch the DCAU stuff. Well, I mean, that's those, those are the DC uh, animated movies. Those aren't technically part of the DC animated universe uh, as far as Batman the Animated Series, you know, through Justice right. League Unlimited. No, no, no. They're, they're, they're separate things. And that that's that's two shows. Where over, over the next two weeks, that's two, uh, two episodes worth of material, essentially, we're doing is... Mm-hmm. On one of them, we're going to address the movies, and on the other one, we're going to address the, the, the sort of television universe that, in a couple of cases, did bleed over into the movies. All right. So, Man of Steel, I'm going to stick with my original rating of about 5.5 out of 10. Bollocks. It had some hiccups, man. Some real hiccups. I know it had some but... hiccups, but bollocks. Eight and a half. <laughs> Eight and a half. Eight yeah. and a half, Jason. Eight and a half. Well, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, I would rate Thor as like a six. Thor was more enjoyable than Man I know, of your Steel. rating system is always much, much higher. <laughs> much, much more Eight critical than mine. I mean, if Avengers is like a 9 out of 10, or an 8.5 out of 10, and Winter Soldier is a 9 out of 10, I mean, you've got to... Eh, anyway. Those are, just, those are just different versions of mid-level 9s for me. These are just numbers um, that I'm cooking up. I'm not... I'm, I'm, I'm no, no metric. Uh, I'm no Wal- Walter White over here in, in terms of... <laughs> In terms of movie ratings, there's, there's no metric. There's no uh, genuine statistic. Now, um, there's not. It, I, there's two things I wanted to point out about about the the film. I just wanted to see if you sure. agreed outright on them. Sure, action was good. I mean, um, depends. I 
I got to watch a good 40 minutes, it feels like, of Superman beating the shit out of somebody. And, you know, I'm, I'm smiling even now just saying that sentence out loud. <laughs> really. Here's the fun thing. From the point where Zod is kneeling and rushes Superman to the point where mm-hmm. Superman breaks his neck, it's only about five minutes. Mm-hmm. I know. I actually like looked at I kept thinking, are they still fighting? This is awesome. Yeah. And is that good or bad? Because I was bored by it. And it had, to well, me, it had the same it problem. I was that... thinking two, two things. One, oh my God, they're still fighting. That's great. And on the other side, oh my God, they're still fighting. I have to pee. I mean, <laughs> we were like two, two and some change hours in, and I was in a theater, and I had to go. So, um, Yeah, I, to me, it had a lot of the problem, especially when Zod actually, like, once they're up on that scaffolding or whatever it was, and um, Zod sheds the his like ceremonial wear and he's basically wearing exactly what Superman's wearing. I had a real problem Mm -hmm. after that because it was like the transformers movies. I can tell that things are hitting each other, but I don't know what. No, no, that's the thing. You look closely at this action. I mean, just, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's beyond scrutiny, but it's damn tight where they lost, where they lost us on some of the emotional development of some of these characters and some of the motivational Mm -hmm. development. They, they did not phone in that fight. everything has a purpose you don't you don't just see a a couple of shaky lens flare scenes of of somebody hitting somebody and there's a you know the shaky camera and all that crap no this is this is a staged choreographed act Mm -hmm. it actually it it holds up to scrutiny a little bit better than i thought it would have because i thought a couple of a couple of demigods hitting each other would just basically be a not even roadhouse level of, of choreographed action but no this this was very deliberate um yeah no, most I, uh the movie as a whole i feel like holds up better than i remember it holding up and i think I, i'm not one to to sit around bemoaning the loss of of certain uh, uh, of you know my my past movies and whatnot because god knows the christopher reeves movies even the, uh, i love the first two but they had real problems like bigger problems than no. what were in man of steel by far um and i can't I can't really attest to them because I haven't watched them as an adult, and I, I know I watched them as a kid, but I haven't really gone back for them. And I, my my family tells me that at some point they did take a tiny little like three year old Jason to the to the movie theater in full Superman get up complete with cape, and I sat there and just hung my jaw for an hour and a half watching Superman on a screen. I don't remember mm-hmm. that. I believe it. <laughs> I believe it, <laughs> but I don't remember that. And. I couldn't. I couldn't even. You had to point out to me that if I if it was the same movie that I was thinking I was watching at that point, that I would have. I would be apparently like twelve years older than I am. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I mean, my memory is shaky. My, I think my one of my big arguments comes down to if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And there were definitely a couple of things that were not broke from previous iterations of Superman that they decided that they were going to fix, and it didn't sit too well with me. But uh, as a beginning for the uni- uh, universe, I mean, hell, let's do it. Um, I'm it's on got board. Got a lot of play in it, a lot of legs. But on that. to be f- to be fair, I felt the same way about Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern. So add some problems, but <laughs> I wasn't kicking it out of bed, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, but in that case, you're just sitting there going, "But it's Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern, so we can work with this, right?" And the cat playing Sinestro <laughs> killed it. So. Can't we yeah. just, I know it didn't make back its money, but can't we just, no? Okay. Can't just write that off and build on, no, let's double down. Can we not, we're, we're, we're going to double down on this, right? No? Okay. Can't we just say it was bad marketing? Right. Come on, please. 
Okay. <laughs> but yeah. In all fairness, the studio is going, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. We tried it. And we tried it with Ryan Reynolds. What do you want from me? Uh, okay. Yeah, those studios are just handing us ledgers of numbers and going, windmills, 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 and windmills. <laughs> I just realized our, our listeners won't know anything about that. <laughs> and they can continue doing so until they've watched all of Futurama with the, right. the, the fervor that I have. <laughs> I will deign to explain that on a, on a future date. Or I can just help them out. Go to YouTube, type in Futurama. Windmills do not work that way. You'll find your answers. We've turned it into a shorthand. <laughs> we have turned it into a shorthand. I demand Alrighty. you not use YouTube. I, I think you should watch every episode back to back, but that's a different conversation. Oh, I think uh, you one should more too. Thing I want but... to mention, okay. Dear God, this needs to wrap up. The music. <laughs> the that music. Score, uh-huh. That score was incredible. I believe the term you used was unimpeachable. I stand by it. I am. I feel a little better about it than I did at one time. <laughs> still wouldn't call it unimpeachable. It's still Hans Zimmer. It's still drumtastic. It is, but to be fair, drumtastic in reference to the earlier Williams Orchestra tracks is actually kind of an homage. Well, okay. I'm not saying it's not a subvert, but it's an argument I can make. I, I was going to say it was um, drumtastic drivel, but no, no, it's it's. <laughs> Downright with majestic hints at in themes. pieces. It downright is majestic. it it is drumtastic drivel with hints of themes that are really strong. It it doesn't like I still can't remember how it goes. I I, oh, I actually I, got every the note, soundtrack. Every note. I know what the woodwinds were up to. That thing is that thing is good. I got the soundtrack. I'm listening to it because I knew we, you were going to bring up the soundtrack because it's something that I've brought up. I miss mm-hmm. the old march, man. I miss the old. I miss the superhero march themes um i know by I just, the way, Chris, that, that time is over no it's not christopher drake is still killing it on shit like batman arkham city uh on the yeah, dc animated movies march it's no, not but always it, a march even when drake is doing it's it. not he still uses it's ambience not. and whole notes and yeah but you don't want to use ambience until it becomes ambient <laughs> which is what <laughs> zimmer does about half of the movie. time you are ambience that, that's your job <laughs> and you should be i, I just you should actually be less subtle than color correction, but well, okay, whatever. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, you know, in terms of things, very... you should no- in, of things you should notice as a viewer, it, there's there's all this stuff up front, like casting, like stuff where you go, oh man, that guy does look like Superman. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. That, mm-hmm. The stuff that'll pull you out of the movie, and then somewhere on your check down list, it eventually gets down to music. I should notice there's music, and I should appreciate the music, but I shouldn't be like sitting there listening to it singly. I it should yeah. be contributing to the scene, and then you know, then we've already discussed the the post <laughs> post production problems. Yeah, I don't know. Anywhere I mean, that I, falls I'm, on the checklist. I'm willing to. I mean, this this by no means anywhere near the most important thing for me uh, in a movie. I just I do I kind of miss the the old John Williams Danny Elfman style of doing things in terms of score. I, I mean, I just I, I just I miss Shirley Walker. I I do too. <laughs> I like char- each character to have their theme, and, and it doesn't always have to be an outstanding in your face. There are ways to loop it and change it and give it different well, nuances. They obviously, they obviously did for this film, though. I mean that the main theme and it really isn't it's not something i could sit here and hum you know we'd, mm-hmm. we'd have to have a good 10 seconds of of me humming to get across the idea of which theme i'm talking about but 
if you know it and you know which one you're listening to, it's the main Superman theme. And there are variations on that theme throughout the movie. And they're they're all tasteful. Damn him, Zimmer did a fine job. Fine job of keeping making sure those themes sounded fresh every time they came up a little bit. Making sure that they were repetitive when they were supposed to be. I mean, mm-hmm. she's giving birth to Superman and you hear the you hear the Superman theme. And then mm-hmm. as he's learning to fly, you hear it a little more clearly. It, you, you, you can follow that piece of music straight through the, the film, and it develops throughout the film. Develops the same way he's turning into Superman. It's freaking. Which oh, part of the theme was the Chris Cornell music? Oh, uh, that, was, that was an aside. <laughs> I'm not sure Zimmer recorded that one. That was Angry Hobo Superman. It was Angry Hobo Superman. And for those in the world who think that was Pearl Jam, get your ears straight. Um, That was Stealing shit out of the... Stealing jackets and shit out of the back of people's cars. By the way, I wish... uh, Leave it for an after credits. Leave it for an after credits scene. I'm pretty sure those people, if he had just come up and been like, Hey, I just survived a shipwreck. Can you help me? They would have given him the jacket. But, you know, once he's actually Clark Kent and he's actually making money... I would have liked to have seen an after credit scene where he just kind of goes back and puts those. It would have puts those clothes back or given them a few hundred dollars or something, just something <laughs> to be like, this is a patently good man. But I guess you I, know, I, Superman I admit, don't care about stealing somebody's stinger. coat. Wouldn't have minded a stinger one bit where he just like flies over to that town and drops down and unlocks the back of their car and puts like some brand new folded press clothes in there and flies away. Yeah. That would have yeah. been fine. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not judging him for what he, what he was doing. He's not scared mortally. I mean, he just, he just survived. He knows that he's basically invulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. But he is scared of being discovered. So scuttling away with someone's laundry at that point, I'm not even going to blame Superman. I will. All right. I mean, it, he needed to cover up. The, his pecs alone are worth hanging a different eye at and 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 pointing out to somebody across the street. Like, it would have been it would have been a sixteen year old girl or something that noticed him and and blew the whole damn thing up way too early. Yeah, and look, I mean, I mean, I say this as a straight man. Did he really need to cover up? <laughs> I mean, damn. I mean, as a guy who can't be damaged <laughs> thermally, I'm sure he was fine. But you know, come on, even. Even Superman has some modesty running around all shirtless. <laughs> Plus, if he's worried about people noticing him, he's in he's in an area that looks like it's got roughly North England's weather. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I just figured he know, was in Maine or something. I don't know. They're gonna they're gonna notice the one guy in town who doesn't seem to care that it's cold all the time and looks like he just <laughs> looks like he survived a shipwreck. He needed clothes. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have noticed that he was supposed to be cold because he was so damn hot. Boom boom. Is that is that, is that what it is? Sure. And we're gonna oh, oh, by the way, there. speaking of which, speaking of which, the the little uh, the little chick that's standing next to uh, the the officer standing next to the general at the very end, and mm-hmm. he's like, "What are you smiling about?" And she goes, "He's kind of hot." Mm-hmm. Did you notice her name tag? No, Ferris. It's like not Carol? spelled like Carol Ferris. It's not spelled like Carol Ferris. It's F A R R I S. But I can't I can't believe that that was I can't believe that they accidentally did that. I can't believe they accidentally did it either. I mean, it's it's just that's all right. Well, she's got her type, huh? I'm I'm, I'm hoping there's a, a red Super herring hero. shortage soon. That whatever sea <laughs> it is, those things swim in that dries up. Yeah. All right. We are the DC on screen podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, 
and DCOnScreen.com. If you like the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well, you can find our friends Matt Carroll and Jeff Randall on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast or MCUcast.com. We'll be coming back next week with something, probably DCU animated stuff. Thank you for listening to this long-ass podcast. We're going to get <laughs> out of here and actually go live our lives to some extent. Take it easy and uh, give us I'm some likes on... I'm actually going to go watch Superman again. Are you really? <laughs> I, the second half of it, I was watching it. I was watching it when uh, when we started this and had to pause it. Fair enough. Jason's going to go watch Man of Steel again, and uh, you guys will see you next week. <laughs>